0: Welcome to Day Zero update for January 3rd, 2021. I'm your host Chris Logie.
1: I'm General Victoria, and
2: I'm Patrick Mifflin.:
0: Yeah Brandon's going to be out for a bit, it seems, because his mic has unexpectedly died. Uh, uh, it
2: is a bit of a complication.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to get one this week here, maybe get back up and running on that so so we can do uh, let's weekend here uh, on Friday. As we get back into the swing of things with uh, 2021, but uh, we're here now because uh, there's a few bits of news here, but we also uh, revealed all of our games of the year stuff here over the past uh, week or two. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about that stuff here uh, after we get some news stuff done, so that'll be a thing. But uh, before we do that, we'll talk about what we've been playing here for the past couple weeks, Uh, because we took last week off because there really wasn't anything going on. Uh, not enough to do a show, but uh, yeah, I'll kick it off here with what I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Rocket League, finishing up the uh, the various challenges for the, the Frosty Fest that ends tomorrow. Uh, so you know good stuff there for the most part. Uh, I did get Cyberpunk 2077 in from Gamefly, so been playing that a little bit. I think I'm still in the prologue here uh it's been all right so far here on uh ps5 i uh, did have a, f- a funny little bug uh happen uh i picked the nomad as my starting thing for that and uh like your first little uh quest tells you to go to this radio tower and uh, once you do that uh you head back to meet one of the major characters uh, before continuing on, and as I was heading over there, uh, I saw in this road uh, two guys just hanging out, uh, one on the shoulders of the other, just like piggyback ride, kind of. Which is like, all right, this this is weird. You this is the kind of bug that is, uh, is at least enjoyable compared to what I had been hearing from people on uh, Cyberpunk for the past few weeks. So, uh, most of the other stuff I've seen is just like random objects hanging out in the air Uh, and animations not being great for some of the characters uh, around all that kind of stuff like nothing really uh, big but uh, you know lacking the the polish you would want out of a game from CD Projekt Red after so many years working on it so still working on that game but uh, so far it's been alright for what it is uh also finished up astra's playroom uh that game still is fantastic uh has a really cool ending boss fight sequence uh that pays homage to one of the early tech demos for the the p s one in a, a really well done way so that has been uh that was really fun and I got uh like maybe a couple more trophies left to do so I just need to sit down and work on that uh and I've just been uh, messing around with my Series S that I got a couple weeks ago. Uh, and actually was able to partake in one of their... You know, spend a dollar for a month, and they give you like two extra months. So it's like three months for a dollar that uh, I've never really been able to take advantage of for whatever reason it was. Uh, so I got that so I could actually have Game Pass on the console, which kind of unlocks the the usefulness of the whole thing. Cause otherwise you see a lot of ads for game pass. Like oh, I don't have this, you know, and see what the uh, games you have tied to your account, but require like gold or game pass or whatever. But cause I had PC game pass, Uh which is an all right service. Uh It's lacking like the, the game pass quests that you get on console game pass. Uh There's a uh, extra stuff that comes with that. That is all, Just weird to not have. So, like, the box as it was, you know, for the first couple weeks was kind of just, oh, here's all the old games that I had purchased and all that stuff. Uh, The only Game Pass games that were playable were stuff that was play anywhere, I think. So, it was like weird, like, oh, I could still play Gears 5, but I just couldn't play multiplayer. Uh, Or any games that I had that were multiplayer focused, I couldn't use anymore. So, that stuff's at least usable. But yeah, the. Definitely the big issue with the Series S is it's only got like 360 gigs on the system. So the amount of games I can have on it is not great. I did put in the 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 old external that I had on my uh, Xbox One X, which was only a uh, terabyte. So not too much more. And I can definitely tell it's an old uh, external hard drive because every time I delete stuff off of it, I have to reset the whole system for it to recognize that change in space. Wow. Otherwise, it just tells me the exact same amount, even, though if, even if I delete like a 50-gig game or something like that off of it. So I think with the uh, stimulus check we're supposed to be getting here, I'm probably going to look into getting uh, externals for my PS5 and this Series S. Uh, something's a little bit bigger, uh, and I would hope that that fixes the issue because uh, it should be able to tell like how much space is on it without me... Res- uh, resetting it every time uh, and the os is it's the same as it's always been has all the same kinds of issues uh, which is annoying when you're first downloading a bunch of stuff because uh, if you pause it, the queue when you return uh, when you restart it again, uh, resume your downloads, it just uh, randomizes the whole list, uh, which makes it very hard to keep everything organized. Uh, especially if you got stuff with uh, DLC. It just throws it all into the randomized list and makes it a a huge pain in the ass to manage. So That's been mostly it uh, for me these past couple weeks. How about you, Dan, Rib?
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I've been on the show, so um, I've been playing a whole bunch of stuff, but I haven't really been loyal to any of the games I've been playing. Um, if anything, like you know, there's always Animal Crossing. We just got through with the uh, Christmas and New Year's events, and um, those were pretty cool. Um, the one, the one thing I really liked about the Christmas event is that it doesn't really have you do anything that wastes your time. Um, like for Thanksgiving, we had to like catch specific fish and things like that for various recipes to get food. And with Christmas, like all you had to do was like give uh, presents to all the villagers with a with, with a Santa bag. And uh, the hardest thing was making sure that you had enough ornaments to craft you certain items. And it, it wasn't that hard because all you had to do was like go to you can go to a nearest festive tree and shake it as many times as possible. So that wasn't too bad. And then the New Year's event was, um, it wasn't much. It's really just counting down to New Year's and just hanging out with the villagers, which is uh, um, pretty solid considering like, you know, uh, nobody, uh, nobody good was um, going out. So that's fine. Um, I've also been, been playing Haven on uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, it's an indie game from the Game Bakers, and uh, are we good there? Craig, Craig went out.
0: Yeah, the other one's gone.
1: Okay, cool. Um, awesome. So, good job, Jark, or Jark, whatever your name is. Um, Haven's pretty solid. Uh, I played it during the uh, Xbox Summer of Gaming last summer, and the game finally came out uh, a few weeks ago. And basically, you use this couple on this abandoned planet, and um. It pretty much plays like a walking simulator, but there's also some uh, turn-based RPG elements to it where um, the control pad uh, controls uh, the, the male character, whereas the face buttons control the um, the female character. And yeah, like, it's, it's really mysterious so far. Like, I'm getting a lot of Outer Wilds vibes from it um, just because of, like, the way the story is being told. Um, nothing in the game is, like... Uh, it's like really gripping me. Aside from just its, just its visual style, uh, but I, I I plan on um giving more time to this game. Um, the main thing though is I I really wish it, it was it was on PlayStation just because like I don't know I, I feel like that controller uh lends itself better to uh its gameplay nuances. Um, Cyberpunk I stopped playing because I ran into a bug that I mentioned in our chat a few weeks ago. So basically, we had to escape this hotel and we weren't allowed to use a gun in it. So that's fine. Um, The problem was, um, as soon as you get out, uh, you're all of a sudden in this high-speed car chase scene, and you have to shoot down these drones, and I still could not equip whatever guns I had. So, like, instead of shooting at the drones, I am swinging my fists, and I automatically die, because there's nothing I can do about it. I can't equip Jesus Christ. And um, it's 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 unfortunate because uh, I haven't really seen a lot of the performance issues that other people have seen. And that's because the game is just better on Xbox Series X. But except for this game breaking bug, I don't know what to do. Brandon said, look into up- updating it. I'm like, it's supposed to be updated because the Xbox hasn't given me any um any notifications on, on, on whether or not there's any uh, downs available. So, yeah, we're stuck there. Um, in the meantime, Madden and NBA have both been my comfort food. You know they don't. You know they're 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 the best football and the best basketball games available, and those are the sports I'm watching right now. So that's the way I stay involved. Similar to how Pat plays as an NHL. Um, yes. I also got my hands on Sackboy, and um, Sackboy is pretty solid. Um, it's one of those games that I handle in bite-sized chunks. I only beat like two levels a day, and then move on to something else because I don't want to just um, uh, play a platformer for that long of a period of time. Um, I will say that the the levels are 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 pretty pretty uh, charming. Um, I still think um what's it called? Astros Playroom was a much better experience, and hopefully in the future we get a longer one. But Sackboy is pretty solid. It's pretty much like I want to say it's a better knack. Astros Playroom really like made the platformer um it was really the the standout for me, so Sackboy's alright. Um I've also been putting some time into Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and I've put more time into Immortals than I have with Watchdogs and um Assassin's Creed, and it's it's funny to say that because most of the year, like we've been criticizing Ubisoft for whatever they've done, and at the same time, they've released three really really good games in a matter of like four weeks. And um, you know, most of the year we spent our time getting ready for Cyberpunk, and all of Ubisoft's properties are better at this point in time. So I'm like, wow, the yeah, the polish is here. <laughs> and uh, I also got started with 13 Sentinels: Aegis Rim. Um Didn't do much, but uh, I'm I'm liking the classic vanilla wear, uh, visual style. So we'll see how it goes from there. Um, but I, I, did read that it's an easy Platinum, so that'll motivate me. But, aside from that, that's been it. How about you, Pat?
2: Uh, it would be no surprise to anybody that I've been playing a hell of a lot of Fantasy Star Online 2. I finally got two classes to level 75 so I can start messing around with the Scion classes. And they did not turn out anything like I expected them to. Um, I expected to hate hero just because it was such a milk toast concept, and it's honestly my favorite of the three right now, whereas a toil, which is the one that I was kind of kicking the tires on when the when they were still in the pipeline, is probably the most brain dead thing I've ever touched in a fantasy star game um, Meanwhile, Phantom is interesting, but It's kind of like the Evil Ryu version of Braver, I feel. It's a lot of fun to play. It gives you free license to just be an absolute psycho on the battlefield. Um, I'm not sure if I actually have more fun playing it than Braver or Ranger, but the sheer damage output I get from it is enough to keep me around. And the, the highest praise that I can give Hero is that it actually makes me want to use swords. And honestly, I've hated using swords in Fantasy Star Online going all the way back to episode 1 or PSO episode 1 version 1 on the Dreamcast, so over over 20 years now, and the hero class actually makes it enjoyable for me. So that's been interesting. Um, Other than that, it's been a bunch of retro stuff. I've been going back to Legend of the Mystical Ninja just because it's so fun to revisit that game and see how well it captured the open world concept so long ago. And having all of these various things to do in a game in a generation that really, it was before its time. And the fact that you had arcades that you could go into and actually play other video games there, like Gradius. Uh, Stuff like that was remarkable at the time, and it still has a really interesting novelty about it. Um, I've also been playing quite a bit of Battle Gear 2 for the PlayStation 2. Just a really fun, straightforward arcade racing game that does not get old. You just it you you have that sense of I can beat this time, I can do better i can I can always do that much better than I'm doing right now, and you do have your you know fastest time records on right there in front of you, so you can always keep climbing and that is and it is a timeless gameplay model and it's an addictive gameplay model, and I love it so um. I mentioned on the best racing games or best arcade racing games off the outside of the big four that um, Battle Gear Two is available in in full English as Tokyo Road Race out of the PAL regions, and it does have a sixty hertz mode, so you can play it on NTSC or just play it at full speed on whatever TV you use for your retro gaming. And it's a great experience. Uh, and finally, um, I've been playing East Five, which I, I misspoke in the past. I said that it was the only game in the series that remained exclusive to the platform that it originated on. After the fact, I found out that there was a port to the PlayStation 2 back in the day. But whatever the case, it is a fantastic game. I've been playing it on Super NES. And... It was kind of the the last gasp of the original E series um, before it took on the more spastic, fast paced form that it has today. And yeah, was East
1: five ever uh, localized? No. Okay.
2: It's the only one that hasn't been. Um, I can't help but wonder if Falcom is doing something right now with it, but. At the moment, there's um, there's nothing except a, an English patched ROM, which is very, very good, I should say. Um, but it definitely reflects a very specific moment in time for that series where it was remarkably similar to The Legend of Zelda. Gotcha. And I would highly recommend it. Um, that The localization patch um, lifts any language barriers or what have you. And the game itself is fantastic. So okay. I can highly recommend it. The
1: only that were played were um, Origins uh, 7, 8, and Oath of So as for all that middle stuff, I'm not, I'm not really sure what goes on.
2: Yeah, uh, um, Oath of actually it's 3. Um Memories of Celceta is 4. Gotcha. So if um if they're just going back and remaking all of the older Ease games in the image of 6, Ark of napishtim then I can kind of—that—that's uh, what keeps me hopeful that a remake of these five is coming.
1: Hmm.
0: Cool. Uh, is that's that it? Been it
2: for me? Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's—that's uh, that's a good bit of stuff here as we are kind of in this weird lull now over the the first month or so where we don't really quite know too much about what's coming out here.
2: It's bad enough when there isn't a viral pandemic.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is like the one. One little time period where there hasn't been at least some interesting stuff coming out. but
2: uh, The holiday season's over and we haven't had E3 yet.
0: Yeah. But yeah, uh, in case you don't have anything to play, uh, there is PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold. They have a new lineups coming up here uh, shortly with the uh, PlayStation Plus. The They have three games this month. Maneater for PS5 only, it seems. Uh... Which is a fun little, uh, kind of action game, I guess. Uh, where you're controlling a shark, uh, and as you're eating fish and doing all this kind of stuff, uh, you're getting experience, and as you level up to like bigger forms. I believe all the way up to like a megalodon-sized uh, shark. Uh, so very silly and uh, ridiculous, kind of a fun game for that. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming for PS4. Uh, which I don't think is a a good one of those. But uh, that's a game that I think needs to get an upgrade version at some point. Uh, Because the PC version is the best one out there because it has uh, ray tracing support and all that. Uh, Definitely one of those games that people got, mostly because it's like one of the few early games that had ray tracing support. Uh, But it's also got a very... Uh, wild story where uh, Lara Croft creates a uh, apocalypse in, Maya, in the Mayan uh, areas in South America and kind of the most out there, but uh, has more focus on kind of open worldish kind of areas to explore uh, tombs and all those kinds of side little areas you can find uh, to its that uh, probably better for more for the hardcore Tomb Raider fan, but uh, I don't know. But the uh, the third game here is Greedfall, the uh, Bioware esque uh, RPG that came out. I think it was, la- it was either the last year or the year before that. But uh, Brandon played it, said he enjoyed it. Hmm. Uh, so that'd be a fun one to see how people take to that. <sighs> uh, they yeah, did we'll announce the, uh... that there was going to be a. PS5, Xbox Series X upgrade for that at some point. That's about all the d- information they gave out for that. Is very few details, but
1: yeah. Yeah, it looks like PlayStation has a solid lineup. Um, I don't know about much, much about Greedfall, but I reviewed um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider and I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if I'll jump back into it, but that's a good game if you haven't played it. And yeah. Eater is a game that I've had no interest in, but I've heard so much about it, so I'm wondering how it is, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try.
0: Yeah. Uh, the weird thing, since I bought it in one of the sales, I think one of the Black Friday sales, they sent me a message uh, the same day that this announcement went up with the the, the lineup and said, like, oh, we're going to automatically uh, refund you for this. I was like, oh, that's weird, because uh, I'm fine with paying for it and supporting the devs and all that. So I guess technically I'm going to get the 30 bucks back for it. I don't know when it had zero details on like when any of this was going to happen. So maybe that'll happen on Tuesday. It's like, Oh, maybe that'll go towards hitman three here coming out. I guess that's the one big, uh, January game, uh, for me is hitman three is I think the 21st. So yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty good lineup there for PlayStation plus, uh, for games with gold, they have a pretty interesting set of games here. Uh, Let's see on Xbox one. Uh, there's a little nightmares. It's out now, January first, uh, through the end of the month. Uh, that is kind of a little platformer, but uh, kind of horror infused. Uh, so you're trying to get around. Uh, these are areas that are filled with a lot of like horror tropes, I think to them. I haven't played much of this, but it seemed pretty neat. Uh, the second game that's available. On the sixteenth is Dead Rising, the original Dead Rising, uh, which is kind of a classic, uh, especially on Xbox. It's like one of the games that's really made HD TVs a necessity uh, for le- for the, the 360 generation because the text was not designed well for uh, SD TVs. Uh, so that's one that people can kind of check out and see like what the, the first game was if they hadn't played it before. Uh, for the 360 stuff, uh, there is, uh, available right now, is, uh, King of Fighters 13. So that is an uh, interesting one to pick there.
2: Very interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not the version most people would have if they were interested in the game up to this point. Uh, it'd be either PlayStation or, I assume it's on PC? Yeah. Yeah, I figured that. Uh, uh, the other game it didn't being come along
2: until later, but they did eventually port it.
0: Yeah. And uh, the other game is the original Xbox game, Breakdown, the the Bandai Namco first person like action game, hand to hand combat and all that. Uh, one of those games that really tried something, kind of got there, but not enough to really work for most people. I think. There's yeah, a, a big I I cult following
1: uh, when it first came out, and I had I got really woozy with that camera. Yeah.
0: Those early days for first-person games, especially if you weren't just shooting. Uh, I heard some decent rough. things about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's... Uh, it's the Games with Gold lineup for this month. Seems pretty decent. Uh, kind of weird they're going for like horror for the, the Xbox One uh, games and more fighting and action stuff on uh, the BC stuff. So that is... Uh, those are like uh subscription games here for uh January here. So, let's Sweet. get to our new stuff and before we kind of do that, Patrick wanted to talk a bit about Gamers Without Borders.
2: Yeah, so last year was definitely an interesting time for me. Um the combination of a budding interest in retro minis and generally underwhelming first impressions by the ninth generation launches steered me toward sort of do-it-yourself gaming, emulation, retro, uh, mods, everything of that sort. And I ended up with an Alienware Alpha that basically fills the role of the retro platform that I have hooked up to my TV right now. and. It opened my eyes to a lot of things about the current state of the industry and that I wasn't necessarily practicing everything that I preached about looking at gaming as an ongoing masterpiece rather than a snapshot of what active studios are doing here and now. And as you can see in the games that I've been playing, that's definitely entered into my practice and i wanted to to do something that covered that because games are still being made for these older platforms the genesis the dreamcast they um they're still getting new games today and a lot of the websites out there your gamespots your igns are really only focusing on the latest greatest you know new and shiny platforms and I wanted to do something that was more off the beaten path, so I just took all those ideas and kind of put them into a, a single show, gathered a group of like-minded panelists in Teresa, Lee, Kayla, even even Phil shows up sometimes on this, so, which is good because he's the hardware guy of the entire group. I wouldn't be able to talk at length and in detail about that um, the way he can so I'm glad he's been able to show up from time to time to discuss that Um, and really I just wanted to do a show that focused on what's going on in the retro or import or you know modded gaming world and help people get started on that path if they're interested or you know, have the occasional DIY episodes about how to mod your systems or how to patch your ROMs. How to? We did an entire episode on the ethics and legal side of emulation because, you know, the common blanket statement that emulation is illegal is flatly false. But there are nuances to it that, you know wh- whether you want to navigate them or feel a pressing need to navigate them or don't care at all it's good to have this information out there and so we did that episode like if you want to emulate retro games here is the way to do it about um you know above board in the eyes of the law and so hopefully we can get more people playing these games and not just not just adding the convenience of being able to play um, older games that you might have already had sitting in your closet for 20 years, but also maybe exploring the fact that emulators don't really have the same region-locking problems that, um, that the consoles back then did. So you can go ahead and get that import game and emulate it on you know, on your PC or your retro minis. And there are ways to do that completely legally. And that's going to allow you to experience a whole world of games that you previously didn't have access to, which is exactly how I arrived at the name Gamers Without Borders. So the idea is just to to buck all of the FOMO that the modern AAA gaming industry seems to run on and just explore, go your own way, discover your new favorite game on a system that may be 20 or 30 years old. And the technology is where we need it to be to make it entirely convenient. There are small form factor PCs that you can hook up to your TV and won't take up any more space than a console. And so every every show we just do these um deep dives into whether it's a theme of something going on pertinent to retro gaming or what we happen to be doing ourselves at any given time or whatever topic that um that happens to come up just among among the four of us you know we'll talk about it and uh, you know when we first um started doing the day zero update i one of the things i mentioned a lot was wanting to go off the beaten path and be the reason that a lot of or be the reason that a lot of games were discovered by our listeners and that spirit definitely carries over to gamers without borders because there there's not a hard ban on the mainstream but Even the mainstream is discussed in a way that, it, it, from an angle, that you're not really going to get from other outlets, other podcasts. And I really feel like we have something special going here. I don't know if either of you have had a chance to listen to it yet, but um, I would definitely be interested in feedback if you have.
0: Yeah, no, I've been a little bit busy here the last few weeks. I haven't been able to check it out yet
2: totally understand uh, i'll try to get
0: to when i can but you should see my fucking podcast player there are like 400 podcast episodes i haven't caught up on. oh my god it's been that kind of year
2: yeah it really has
1: yeah uh yeah i i, I actually i really enjoy the idea and uh i know i actually uh, committed to uh, helping out uh here and there a little bit but yeah things have just been hitting me and uh from from all directions it's, it's been hard I've actually had had to drop a few of the podcasts that I that I always listen to. Like Giant Giant Bomb I don't even listen to anymore, so it's it's been rough. But I put on like getting back to it eventually.
2: Yeah, it's all good. Um yeah, and the the sort of new focus on uh Smashpad itself is still coming, but it's been held up by holiday stuff and life in general and the various ways that twenty twenty has teed off on me. So um stay tuned because that's still definitely coming.
0: All right. Yeah, so let's get to some... We have a few pieces of news here, and two of them are for a continuation of the never-ending cyberpunk saga. Uh, The first one's good news for uh, CD Projekt Red, because they announced here uh, a couple weeks ago that they had already sold more than 13 million copies. Uh, I believe that also includes the refunds they had at that time. Uh, So, yeah, that is a ton of copies to sell. Uh, Not really surprising with uh, the way they had all their marketing going, but, yeah, that's going to be a lot of uh, customers to keep excited about that game uh, as they get it fixed here over the next couple of months.
2: Have you guys talked about the lawsuit?
0: Yeah, we talked about that. It was our last show last year.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah, I think uh... that's generally going to be a good thing because this has been a very dangerous practice for game developers over the last 15 years. And if they're not going to make the conscious decision to just put in the work and ship complete games, no matter how long it takes, then maybe the threat of, you know, the law will fix things. So that's just my take on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're a publicly traded company. Uh, potentially misleading uh, investors that uh, are expecting big things out of the game. Uh, They always come back for their money, no matter what.
2: But yeah, yeah, it seems like...
0: uh, Out of those
2: 13 million copies that they've sold, how many of them got returned?
0: Uh, I think that number is uh, is including the returned copies, or... In spite of it, they've removed it from that count okay. already. But I don't know okay. what it is after since then, the last two weeks. Because uh, I know they were specifically doing like the the personal refunds they were doing up to like the 21st, I think. So, however many are done for, through retailers and such after that, I don't know, but. I imagine so it's this probably could have been
2: incredible to, just, for them if they hadn't shit the bed.
0: Yeah, they would have good positive momentum at least uh, for that stuff. And yeah, that's uh, gonna be interesting to see how this all ends up by the end of this year.
1: I mean, so I would hope they would have it fixed by then. Everything up, they, just, they still have incredible numbers here. So, like, yeah, GDPR is in a really interesting predicament because. I mean, you know, we've, we've been in this dream, we've covered it for years, and a lot of uh, games have come out in worse condition, but this is really, like, the first time where I'm seeing, like, like such a class-action lawsuit gain this much ground. So, well, it's yeah. So different. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah,
0: and their early start of the Make Good campaign uh, for this includes uh, some free DLC that they're working on. Uh, no details, I don't think, on what it is or even when they just say early 2021 and just says free DLC starts hitting night city early 2021. So no real details, but they did this kind of thing with uh, the Witcher three where they released some free DLC over the course of the first like six months or so.
2: And that wasn't even Uh, a mea culpa.
0: No, that's more just keeping goodwill going until they had their like paid expansions ready. Uh, and a lot of that stuff I don't think was too consequential in terms of content. There's a lot of just like, here's, you know, some cool clothes or uh, items or here's some little story quests uh, to keep you going if you've already played through the whole game, that kind of thing. Uh, so who knows what this is going to be, I assume they'll offer details whenever that happens. But yeah, they I uh, said here, before we get there, we'll first be kicking off our free DLC program in early 2021. Just like with The Witcher 3, expect an assortment of free DLC packs to begin hitting Night City, trying a bunch of cool stuff that'll inject even more life into the world of the dark future, which will be interesting to see. Mm. Uh, Yeah, just from playing it now, I'm not quite sure, because if you link up your uh, console account to GOG, uh, you get some free items. It's mostly just like shirts or uh, some other stuff that's got like the The Witcher logo on it or the CD Projekt Red logo on it. It's like, oh, this is a little bit better than the uh, stat-wise than what I've got uh, early on, but <laughs> nothing really to write home about it. And also, it doesn't seem like aesthetic of your outfit really matters because you're just gonna put everything on that has the best stats, and so you just look like a dumbass most of the time. It seems. <laughs> uh, because it's just like, oh, there's here's like a half tank shirt. And baggy pants and these steel toed boots and then I got like a a dumb hat on. I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess that it fits the you're, cyberpunk
1: you're out, thing. It really works.
0: Yeah. Uh, they don't really seem to have like an overarching like cosmetic outfit that might look good. That might also fit the the vibe of the game itself. So i it's just people kind of uh scrapping things together as best they can. So yeah. that's the uh, that's the cyberpunk news for this week.
2: You know, I'm kind uh, of glad this whole shit show happened because it wasn't that long ago I wrote a thing about how the the apparent need for day one patches has really done a number on the sense of ownership that comes with actually having a game disc to keep on your shelves and to, you know, always have a copy of the game handy. And I used... Assassin's Creed Unity as the cautionary tale. But I guess deep down I kinda knew that a Cyberpunk 2077 like situation was coming. But I had I would have never even considered that it would be Cyberpunk 2077 that caused it until it released. And you know, pity the poor bastard who Twenty years from now, when the update servers are down, buys a used copy of this game, expecting you know whatever it becomes in the intervening years, pops it into a system and gets what launched yeah, so well, some of that the, is hopefully this nips it in the bud
1: the real yeah, thing was was say, some
0: of that, that has kind of uh, really panned out for the the new consoles because if you able to install stuff like uh, Assassin's Creed unity the off the disk without updates uh you get like an unlocked frame rate on the new consoles mm. but if you let the install the the updates install it's like locked at thirty f p s and it's oh, like, weird it's some weird stuff like that where it's like technically
2: but does it give you the, the horror face
0: yeah Fuck. you get that chance uh but it runs really well because now it's got. <laughs> The hardware behind it that actually makes it run well yeah
1: you still get uh, nightmare fuel but it looks good <laughs> yeah going um, going back to last gen though especially with the patch example of uh assassin's creed unity i think the really sad part is the fact that the generation is going to be bookended by what happened here like you have assassin's creed unity to, to pretty much launch the uh that's true ps4 and xbox one era and then you end it with cyberpunk on both sides and it's like wow and it's it's really unfortunate because um, the middle part of the generation had a bunch of great titles, like um, it, it, it's almost cliche where every year we mention, oh yeah, this year's game of the year is better than last year's, and like that that was a positive trend. But seeing it uh, dumped back down to this is pretty yeah
0: yeah. That's uh that's a whole weird aspect of this these new consoles, uh especially as now devs are gonna have to think more about how they're making their games for the the new consoles and the old ones if they're still releasing those versions cuz you can still technically uh play those old versions uh for most games and it's like well now you're making it for this console that can only run it at like 30 some frames per second if that and now it can run on better consoles that uh are able to run it better but you know you should include you know unlocked frame rates Yes. even if it's not going to work well on those old consoles because you know most likely in the future people will move on to those new hardware and be able to enjoy better enjoy it so sort of the way that PC games come in with support for higher resolution and features that maybe your current PC can't do well with but in some point in the future it will be better and uh then your game will be ready for you
2: and quite frankly kind of I wish game I wish the game industry wanted to go after uniform 60 frames per second as badly as they wanted to go after 1080p. Yeah. And 4K for that matter.
0: Yeah, especially for how rough some of these games can be uh, at launch. But uh, yeah, that'll be fun to see how that stuff evolves over time. Absolutely. Uh,
2: Let's
0: let's talk about a new Bandai Namco game uh, that is being led in development by Katsuhiro Harada, but it's not a Tekken game. Or at least a Tekken fighting game. Maybe it's still Tekken-related, but uh, from what he has been talking about uh, in their little New Year's live stream stuff, basically saying that it is the most expensive game that Bandai Namco has ever uh, budgeted for. So they're
2: keeping the Yu Suzuki stall open for him.
0: Maybe so. But it's going to be weird to see, like, what he's been the Tekken guy for so long. Yep. Maybe he's still making a Tekken game. Maybe it's something that hopefully is better than the last time they jumped out of the fighting game genre for that series. But uh, i will be interested to see what he has in store. Because I think it's been a while now that people have known, like, he wants to do something else. Uh, spread his wings a little bit.
2: I can uh, think of one thing. Yeah, what's that? He was really, really lobbying for Xenosaga remasters slash collection slash whatever, and if they really threw their budget behind it, it could really be something special.
0: Uh, so maybe like a new, new one of those games.
2: No, I'm thinking a a full remaster collection, but I don't hmm. see how that would quite get to the price tag uh, yeah. he's talking about. And obviously, um, Monolith owns the the franchise, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, so I'm not Monolith sure how that would be done.
1: I don't, I don't really know how a remaster would um, use up that much of their budget. Um, yeah. After Resident Evil <laughs> Two and uh, FF Seven, um, I guess it wouldn't be that surprising anymore. But yeah, they, they could do some like,
2: pretty incredible things if they weird. wanted to.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely we're looking at an, an unannounced thing. So. Um, it, rem- it remains to be seen. Um, Namco is the one that's developed, uh, that's publishing uh, Elden Ring, right? Yeah,
2: I believe so. Yeah,
1: uh, and that yeah. one has that one has, has a lot of a lot of money behind it, so it, it should be should be cool to see.
0: Yeah, because I wonder if they're considering it just the ones that are purely made in house, uh, versus their sort of outsourced stuff, or the ones they're publishing other companies' games. Like that, so I don't know what the the catch might be, but hey, if they're putting a lot of money behind this one uh, person and his uh, team for this, it's going to be interesting to see.
2: It's a good director and it's a good team.
0: Yeah, because uh, they don't typically go out of the way to put a ton of money into stuff that isn't like Soul Caliber or in, As far no, as Soul Caliber stuff. didn't
2: even get that much money this time around.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that'll be. It'll be interesting to see, see Bandai Namco kind of taking, taking a big risk. Uh, at least a little bit out of their wheelhouse of Souls games and uh, working on Nintendo stuff and all their anime games.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, could 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 Star Fox be a poss- possibility?
0: Maybe, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know why you would Band-Aid
2: be the Boys one that Pocket, would do it. Pocket.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: that'd be that'd be Nintendo funded.
1: Yeah. Because I, I believe Harada was on the—he uh, was a director on one of the Ace um, Combat games, or supervisor, something like that. But.
2: That wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, the, that was
0: like a company where probably a lot of the big names have had their fingers in various uh, parts of their IPs over the years. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of it <laughs> for the the news here. Not really too much, uh, but we're gonna get here talking about our Game of the Year stuff. Uh, I think all three of us have top 10 lists. Uh, We are going to talk about that. I was thinking about going through and we talk about our list kind of one at a time, uh, starting with, you know, number 10. Uh, And if you already have that on your list, uh, mention it. We'll have like a bigger discussion about the game uh, for that. Uh, And kind of just go all in on some of these games Cool. uh, here as we talk about. I'll pull up the overall list and mention when we've got stuff that's on there as well. Uh, That all went up here by uh, January 1st. So, uh, I will start here. My number 10 is Murder by Numbers. Uh, That is a Picross game on the Switch and PC uh, that came out earlier this year and kind of adds a murder mystery vibe to it uh, for the story. So you're uh going around finding objects of interest, you know, evidence and whatnot. Uh and you solve a puzzle to uh, unlock that. Uh you can use that to talk to people. Not really too much like uh Phoenix Wright. Uh it's a bit more uh visual novel uh to it versus like the adventure uh stuff that Phoenix Wright was all about. Find the right ways to use your objects. Uh, but it was a game that I played uh, a lot of over the years, like the game I played before I went to bed. Uh, so played puzzle by puzzle through that game, and it's a really well done one of those, especially we, for the ones not made by Jupiter. Uh tend to find some of those games are a bit rough around the edges as far as features and controls. This game kind of nailed it on that stuff. Uh, and then I found out uh, here... Uh, a week or two ago that uh, the director of this game worked on the Hottifo Boyfriend games, uh, which if you don't know, that was like a dating sim game where the characters you were talking to were uh, birds, birds, but also humans had human forms. Uh, So it was like a romance thing, but also birds and very silly uh, kind of thing. So it made a lot more sense how this game worked out uh, the way it did when it seems to have a lot of similarities to that stuff so that was my number 10 how about you dan Reb?
1: yeah um my number 10 it was really close it was going to be between um what was it called astro's playroom but i eventually chose um final Fantasy 7. despite being a huge final Fantasy fan um seven is like nowhere near the top of my favorites but um what Squirt Unix managed to do with this one just, uh, it, it for, for lack of a better term, it, it really blew me away. Um, like Patrick, I was a bit um turned off by the fact that they were switching battle systems, and uh, the fact that it was optional definitely uh, turned me back onto it. And then eventually, when I tried it out, I was like, okay, this, this actually really really works. Um, I remember playing the game at a younger age and uh, just being turned off by the fact that it was turn based because I was like, why would you have such a big sword and not and like, you know, not be able to tap square a lot to use a lot, because I, I was a huge Zelda fan at the time. And um yeah, this 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 kind of like brought me back to that younger age where I was like, oh yeah, FF7 is totally cool now for reasons why I want it to be cool. And um yeah like the the fact that um we, we really haven't seen anything that drastically changes the story in this first game. But the fact that they were able to delve into uh, characters that otherwise weren't important really gives the game more life. It made me care about the lore more. And it really just... Um, it made me really buy into the spectacle that Squirt Enix really thinks, thinks, thinks that it is. Um, so whenever the second one comes out, like I know I'll be all in. And um, the way it ended uh, definitely worked out for me. So yeah, uh, great game.
2: So you said they didn't really make any major the original storyline, but that's not actually the version I heard, and I'm really confused about how this game turned out now because my understanding was that Aerith and Sephiroth were operating with knowledge that they were not supposed to have um, in the original game, and by the end, the entire timeline basically gets thrown out the window. Is that not the case?
1: Um, that part you said where in the end where it gets thrown out the window, um, that's actually just more of an opinion and it's, it it very much could go that way. But my interpretation of the thing was, um, there were various points in the game where like you see a whole bunch of feathers, like, um, like take over and like, they, they, they kind of seem out of place, but they're sort of like, um, burying these seeds where there are opportunities for change, but they haven't actually gone that uh, direction yet. Like as we all know, like the, the 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 big spoiler in the game in general is, or uh, or in the series in general is, um, Aerith dies, which they they yes. don't get that far into this into the main story in this particular chapter yet.
2: But she um, is absurdly terrified of these things.
1: Yes. So like the the characters all have deeper backgrounds, and um, it seems that the, that that they have different intentions. Um, but like. For the most part, the timeline so far has remained the same, and that's why I'm interested.
2: Yeah, the fact that they are basically teasing that it's going to go way off the rails is what's kind of keeping me with one eye on the whole thing as it plays out, because, you know, obviously it wasn't the game I wanted it to be, but if they do what I think they're going to do with it, then I can totally get on board. You know? And didn't they retcon Crisis Corps as well?
1: To an extent, yes. Um there there's definitely a whole lot of mentions about Zach Fair in it. Um they totally acknowledge his existence, but I wouldn't say they completely retconned it either.
2: So they did so they huh. what? I heard something about how they basically um showed him surviving that battle at the end.
1: Uh from what I remember I don't know if he actually does survive in this version, but when they showed that footage, it was cloudy. So huh. that goes to show we don't know if if, if it actually happened or not.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and like that's really been the, the been the thing about this game because, like, as as far as the opinions go, and as far as like um, the original fans really talking about its um, talking about the the events in the story, it's like there's a lot to infer. But we haven't exactly seen it happen with our own our own eyes yet. So it's 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 gonna be a really mysterious process uh hmm. as we get closer to whenever the second game comes out.
0: Yeah, I, guess, gets, that I get, would get be weird my vibes eye. with this game. Uh in the future of the, the stories kind of being like maybe the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, where it's like, you know where it's going to go with Anakin, but how they get there maybe changes. You maybe do not know if certain things are maybe going to be changed as far as what you might have heard in the original trilogy. Uh, It gives them way to, and they obviously Disney had like, you know, the the Clone Wars show and all that kind of stuff to flesh out things with the characters and not just be be beholden to just the, the prequel trilogy, like that kind of stuff. Kind of seems like where they're kind of going, where they're able to flesh out characters and... Be more in depth than what you had to work with in the original games. Hmm.
1: And yeah, maybe Square what the, Enix really the weird like,
0: Spirinoff games did too.
1: Square Enix really has like gamers by the balls as far as like what to expect with the next game. Because like when we, when you mentioned the Star Wars example, you know, I, I think of like Mandalorian, basically, you know, finding a way to find a center between new fans and old fans, and with with the, with the Final Fantasy, it's it's really similar too. I, I think this is, this is everything they want to happen with, um, with FF 15, because with, with FF 15, you really had to absorb all the content to really appreciate the story. Whereas with FF seven, they're really doing it. They're really making it, um, making the game integral to everything. So,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm requiring you to get like a, either a special version or buy a Blu-ray with the game, uh, to know what all is going on. Yeah. is a, uh, a lot smarter way to go here. Just put it all in the game. Just hopefully, don't take you know another five years to get the next one out. Right. Like, just get yeah, one out on each generation.
2: Just the moment that I know that it's not an actual attempt to replace the original Final Fantasy VII, I can probably make peace with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I Need to get back to that. There's also this game. Um. Like when I did the, the video for the, the staff sites uh list. Uh I literally finished up chapter four. Uh got on the train and did the, the stuff there. Uh for the second bombing that you're going to do. Mm. I forget if you actually get there or not. I don't I didn't play as much of Final Fantasy Seven as I had thought at one point. Uh so I uh, basically stripped well I think I got to the end of the first disc on the original. That's as far as I've gotten. So I assume that's roughly about how much they have in this game.
2: Yeah, I actually very recently found a retranslation of the original, so I'm probably going to be playing that here pretty soon.
0: Yeah. But yeah, when this gets to like twenty bucks, that will probably be a pretty good price for you to jump on Pat. Okay. Let's see if you can uh uh
2: get past my complicated feelings about
0: it. Yeah. You can finally play it and... See for yourself what it is. Yeah. All right. So, Pat, what is your number 10?
2: Hotshot Racing. And okay. probably a majority of the people listening to this just said, what? Um, Sumo Digital teamed up with some X-Criterion staff, and they wanted to make a tribute to old-school arcade racing, which, fuck yeah. It didn't quite turn out as well as it could have. I think some of the Criterion influences kind of permeated it to a point where it didn't quite capture that arcade feel as well as it could have. Um, the worst problem being that in collisions, your car can get rotated and basically go into a wall or get stuck somewhere on the side of the road, and you'd have to back up and you know drive your way out of wherever your car got put which is really a big no-no in arcade racing design, and it can cause you to lose an entire race in just a single moment that happens, not even on the final lap. And that's really what kept Hotshot Racing as low as it is on my list. I do like it. I do want to see more from this team of developers, but for what it was, it was really just a swing and a miss but it shows a lot of promise and I'm excited about that.
0: Okay. I think it's one of the games I downloaded on uh, my series S for game pass stuff. So I will have to check that out.
2: Yeah. It's fun. It's just not what it probably could have been.
0: Yeah.
1: I obviously didn't, didn't know what it was until you asked me about possibly getting a code for it, which unfortunately I was uh, unsuccessful in doing so. But um, when I, when I saw the footage, it reminded me of both Daytona and Top Gear rally when, Wow. Yeah, and say is- the,
2: the game that it actually takes its visual cues from is Virtua Racing, but Daytona is a direct descendant of that, and gotcha. everything kind of went from there.
0: Cool. Okay, so that is uh, your number 10. And uh, I do want to mention, since uh, Dan talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake, that is our number four overall game. Uh, let's get to our number nines.
2: There was some interesting discussion about what constitutes a remake.
0: Yeah, uh, that's definitely one of the thing. The weird themes of this year is a lot of games that are kind of remakes and stuff that is uh, kind of on the border of that, like Demon's Souls, uh, which is a remake in visual uh, and maybe some quality of life stuff. But uh, well I know somebody game. that played the game for the first time, but was able to use uh, walkthrough videos from the original game because it's all the same content for the most part. So it's like, yeah, that quite doesn't fit, but Final Fantasy VII remake definitely fits the bill because it's uh it's a fresh take on the the original game. It's not necessarily the exact same game uh especially visually. Uh they've done a lot to uh remake the the whole thing for the new generation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, just having analog in there means a lot because I remember um, I was reviewing Crisis Core back when we back when we were at Amped IGO and I had never beaten the original FF Seven yet. So when I hopped back in the original FF Seven, like there was no analog control, and I was like, I am not going to finish this. I eventually did, but it was it was hard to get through. So being able to do that with remake definitely made made it feel different.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I so think they kind of did
2: release a DualShock version of that game too.
0: Yeah, maybe the game, the greatest hits version, something like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the original versions a little bit rough if you didn't grow up with it, especially visually when you just realize, oh, it's some polygons on like a bitmap image.
2: (laughs) Especially, yeah, the um, the overworld and town models; those were rough.
0: (laughs) Especially when you play the the quote unquote remastered version on the on the PS4 and all that, so it's like, oh, this is even more like a blurry old image. <laughs> at least
2: make it look as good as the battles.
0: Yeah. That's at least the part where it looks nicest in the battles, where you tell, like, yeah, this is the part they put the most effort into, because uh, it's completely different character models and enemy models and all that. It's like, oh, this looks most like the CG. That's about it. But, uh, yeah, that's why there are certain... Uh, games that are not on these lists. Uh, so, yeah. So we
2: had to determine which ones were um, new games altogether and which ones were just updated oh. versions of the originals. And I think we came up with a pretty good balance. Yeah.
1: yeah, My number 8 actually made it a little complicated, but I'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, so let's get to our number 9s. Uh, my number 9 is Noita. It is a PC game uh as I said here, like while Hades is the, the PC roguelite that got everybody's attention, Noita, uh, I think, was equally impressive in other ways. Uh, the way that it has environment destruction, uh, the ways that your wands can have various abilities. and When you get to uh, your little hub area between levels, uh, you can actually move those uh, spell abilities uh, between wands. And so you can kind of create these fun little combinations. we can have like this one that just shoots little bursts of light, but then also add a thing onto it that'll, you know, put a little bit of a fire leaking off the shot. So then you can set stuff on fire. And as you set stuff on fire, you know, there's wood all throughout various levels. Uh, If you're in the snow areas, you can actually melt the snow into water, uh, that kind of stuff. So you can do a lot of cool environmental interactions. That's, no other game is doing especially uh this being like a 2D game. So uh and you also have to worry about things like what you uh step into. So if you step into uh oil, uh your character suddenly, you know, slides around a bit more. Uh if you're near fire, you can catch on fire a lot more easily. Uh whereas if you soak yourself in water, you're going to be able to get through fiery areas a lot more easily because you're, you know, uh covered in water. Uh, blood is also has the same effects, so you can kill a bunch of enemies and get like a nice pool of blood. You can kind of soak yourself in it to protect yourself from fire because there are various enemies that are like. Oh, there's like a flaming skull that just shoots this like attack that just creates a lot of like explosions around you. Uh, there's like a dude that is uh, I forget what his name is. The enemies have weird names that makes me pretty sure that the devs are not from, uh, maybe from like one of the Nordic countries or something like that. Uh, cause it is very, very weird names, but, uh, was like an enemy that's kind of like a, like a flaming, uh, scarecrow man. Uh, and they're very hard to kill some of these special enemies. So you kind of have to pay attention to what sort of, uh, items you have. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a game that is as fun to watch, you know, things burn and how different, uh, Abilities and spells you have uh, interact with the environment to create cool new uh, ways of playing. I've had areas where I had this spell that uh, just creates this little bubble that just fires rain onto the ground. It's like, oh, I can just kind of flood this whole area. And I have a special ability where I can breathe underwater. So I can just flood everything uh, and limit my ability to get damaged because you know, shots don't work so well underwater as they do. Uh, out in the open, that kind of stuff. So it's it's a game that has a lot of stuff going on with it, but it's really fun technically. And it's one of those games that I was most excited to have a better PC to work with because it was running at like 30 frames per second at times, uh, especially early on because uh, it was in early access until this year. So many times it just shot down to single digits uh, at times. I was like, oh, shit's going on because this game's running rough now. Uh but now I have a good p c now it runs at sixty f p s so it runs nice and smooth uh and all that good stuff so now it's a lot of fun it's just it's a very hard game uh, so I've gotten to like the fourth area, which is like jungle stuff uh and this isn't even like the hardest parts of the game so still still a lot of fun to play that and I've, i think in early access I've played uh even up to launch like about forty hours of it now and still Still it's a lot of fun. So there's my uh number nine. How about you, Dan Reb?
1: Yeah, my number nine was um Street of Ridge- four.
0: Um good
2: game.
1: Anybody that knew me as a kid knew for a thing, um at home. Uh I was I was the kid that had a Sega Genesis while everybody had a Super Nintendo. And all I had back then were all the Street of Ridge- no no, it was one and two and then I had Vector Man and Power Rangers the movie. So uh, a lot of side scrolling beat em ups uh, yeah. in my life. And Streets of Rage 4, just um, at the same time, feeling new enough to be relevant. And it really hit me in the face um, um, by showing me just how, how challenging it was. Um, like, you'd think that, you know, uh, after being at this for so long, like a side scroller would be no problem. But no, uh, Streets of Rage 4 isn't afraid to kick your ass and at various times. Um, I ended up beating it because, like, my brother played with me. And that, that also really brought me back um, to that day. And, um, yeah, like, um, everything about it is just, like, done, like, so gracefully in a way where it, it just really feels like a legit entry. And, yeah, Dot Emu just really, um, really oh, yeah. hit out of the park with this one. Uh, the only reason why it wasn't any higher was the fact that um, eventually, like, I lost interest. I remember trying to go for the Platinum, but I saw that one of them. Was like you have to get like a higher a high score to a point where you have to go through levels unhit, and I, I knew I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> so,
2: oh man, yeah, and that combo system too—it just makes it an absolute awesome. joy to play.
0: Awesome, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun battle sy- uh, combat system because it's not just your typical beat 'em up style thing. It kind of adds more depth to it with uh, uh, well-designed sort of combo stuff. But it's the the different characters have different abilities and the way their combos work that opens up different uh, ways of playing the game
2: and uh, basically bringing juggle system in from fighting games.
0: Yeah. Uh, which sometimes isn't useful for the level. Like uh, I think it's the second level where you're on the pier that has a bunch of holes in the, yeah. Uh, the, the pier. So occasionally like if you're using like cherry who has a lot of jumping attacks, uh, she's not great on that level. Uh, Cause you occasionally will just jump into to your death.
2: You can juggle them into the into the pools.
0: Yeah, but if you're uh, playing a character like that, that's uh, a lot of her abilities jumps uh, around a bit. Yeah, uh, you can kind of get yourself into trouble when you got a bunch of enemies around.
2: You definitely don't uh, want a free wheel.
0: Yeah, uh, is that on your list, Pat? It is. Okay, what's your number um, on that one? Number two. Okay, you want to talk about it while you're already talking about it?
2: I mean, it's a joy to play. It it bring, It's one of those games that brings couch co-op back to its glory days, which we need a lot more of that in modern gaming. And it's really, it captures the feel of the classics while expanding upon them. And that's what I like to see in a sequel to a long-running or long-dormant franchise. They just did everything that they needed to do with this game, and it was—it was almost my game of the year. It was definitely an early favorite. Um,
1: yeah, that yeah. Emu easily could have fucked this up, but they didn't.
2: <laughs> yeah, and hopefully they get a whole parade of similar projects moving forward because they're the ones who should be doing this stuff. No question.
0: Yeah, I believe they're working on the new Windjammers too. I believe so. Yeah, which got delayed to this year. So, uh, hopefully they're doing a good job with that. Uh, but yeah, they've, uh, proven themselves capable of bringing old styles of games into the, the current gen with, uh, a nice love and touch to it that keeps them from just being, oh, it's like that old thing, but that doesn't quite work these days.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is our that is our
0: overall number eight game. So, yeah, that was uh, quite a good game. All right. Uh, Pat, what is your number nine?
2: Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2. And this is something that um, does qualify as a straight-up remake. It didn't get to be on our top ten because it is exactly what it says on the ten. It is the first two Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games, and that is what it should be. It captures all of the gameplay, all of the systems of the first two games and puts them on eighth generation platforms and shows everyone gamers new and old, just why this series is so legendary. And I wouldn't have wanted it to be anything different than what it is. Yeah. Well,
0: I think the only Ooh. way you can improve on it is just have, Don't Ask Three in there.
2: I wasn't a big fan of three. To be honest Spider-Man
0: with you, great. <laughs> I like three a lot. Uh, that,
2: that was when they just took that one extra step over the top, and I just, I, I was hoping that the series would go in a more subdued, um, you know, simulation style over time, but it went in the opposite direction altogether. Yeah. And that's where I kind of started tuning out.
0: At least until Skate came out and they tried to bend it back. And it's like, no, you guys went way too far in one direction. Kind of can't tone it down. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think those three games are kind of uh, fairly similar because they bring in moves from the different games into this. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of have some stuff from three. And it's like, okay, why don't you guys should add uh, like an expansion that just adds those stages to it. So they did a good job of kind of uh, meshing all that stuff together. Yeah. i would uh, well. great with. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Cause I got all the stuff from one and two, not all the unlockable characters. Uh, I think partially cause they don't have the Spider-Man license anymore. Or the, <laughs> the X-Men stuff. So, uh, but they could definitely easily put that was a weird crash call. bandicoot or Spyro or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually
1: surprised Like neither Spyro or Crash were in there yet. Like I, I thought they'd be in there by now. But aside from that, their roster is also really impressive.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. instead of just bringing back those uh, models and making them look better, they kind of brought back in the current they, versions of those skaters. Yeah, they, they brought
1: back the old versions of them. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're really old, but they're still killing it. <laughs> yeah,
0: so like Tony Hawk, when he crashes, you know, you'll get up and like, oh, my back. Uh, <laughs> kind of animation to it or... Or like a really tired uh looking animation like, oh god, I fucked this up again. Uh kind of uh vibe to it. As well as they added uh a few new skaters, uh some of the younger ones, especially uh yeah,
2: they got a kid of the, of the old and the new.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that uh that game does uh, a much better job of uh matching the legacy that the those games had. Compared to the last time they tried to
2: yeah. HD uh,
0: do that, uh, where really? it's just like, oh, this game just like controls differently and has different physics that uh, does Don't not work. work well at all. <laughs> then they did Tony Hawk's Five, and it's like, oh no, mm. no, uh, which they should try and do another Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Five with this team. Yes, uh, I'd be like. Uh, that Tony Hawk 5, uh, that doesn't, doesn't exist. We,
2: we we no longer acknowledge it. This is the real game.
0: <laughs> Just like we don't acknowledge the other Crash Bandicoot games with the release of 4. Uh, so yeah, that is, uh, that is quite a good game. So uh, let's move to our number 8s. Uh, for me, that is The Pathless. Uh, the new game from Giant Squid, uh, the makers of Abzu. Uh, and the art director from the Journey team. Uh, working on their new game, The Pathless, uh, it's on the, both PlayStations and PC. It is kind of a, an indie game that takes elements of Shadow of the Colossus, uh, where you have these big worlds to explore that kind of don't have uh, much in them. Uh, so no like filler enemies just all over the place that are annoying you. Uh, the boss counters are kind of especially tailored to uh, their own uh, abilities. You do run into them outside of just the specific boss fight because occasionally it's just like the the dude just wants to fuck with you. Uh, And uh, mixes that with some Breath of the Wild stuff. We have these environmental puzzles uh, as you explore. Uh, You can find these things that get you uh, bonus like XP uh, which kind of feeds into this whole system of upgrading your uh uh ability to get around. Uh so the main way you get around is you're kind of running all the time. Uh and while you're running you want to shoot these different like targets uh with your bow and as you do that it kind of fills up your boost meter so that you can kind of uh run pretty fast around the world. Uh and the aim is automatic, so as long as you uh have it automatically targeted when you shoot uh it'll uh, hit it and fill up your meter and you can keep that going. Uh, you can tie that into the jumps to get some uh, really good uh, leaps because if you're in the air, it gives you like a little boost in the air so sometimes you can get a few extra uh, hits in there and kind of keep a good little chain going. but uh, as you go on, you get this eagle uh, that goes around with you and uh, he acts as your kind of glider from uh, breath of the wild uh, and so as you kind of level up, Uh, Your character, you kind of get uh, double and triple jumps and more than that, so it just kind of lets you really get around the world in some uh, really cool ways. Uh, And so, yeah, it's uh, it's a really fun game. It's really beautiful and kind of just uh, is one of those games that takes lessons from uh, some of the games that are most revered over the past 20 years and kind of does some really cool stuff of its own just makes for a, a really fun game that shows off the, uh, some of the cool stuff that the new consoles can do, uh, really well with some nice trigger stuff to it and rumble and all that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, a game that really puts uh, giant squid on the map as one of those top tier indies that people should be keeping an eye on, uh, in the vein of like a super Giant and, uh, those kind of studios. So yeah, that is my number eight. How about you, Dan?
1: Yeah. Mine was persona five Royal. Uh, This is, this was the game that we knocked off our top 10 because we figured it qualifies as a remake and like, yeah, um, I get that it does, but it, it also replaces uh, what, 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 what persona five was. And um, like, yeah, like, for the most part, you know the game does remain the same, but then it, um, its differences are going to be sprinkled uh, around from the beginning to the middle and, it's, and the end is totally crazy because the end just changes everything and it made the game a whole lot better in my opinion. Um, it's an
2: enriched experience.
1: Yeah, it's totally enriched. But anyway, Persona 5 was uh, my favorite game or my favorite JRPG of the generation and we've had a lot of great ones this generation and um, also yeah, like it made, the, it made the best game even better me. Um, my only knocks with it um, are the fact that uh, in order to really get that new experience, you have to play the game a specific way. So the game introduces three new characters, and you have to make sure that you give um, your utmost attention to two of them. Because if you don't, then you end up just getting the normal ending, and that would have been a waste of your time. Like the original game was over 100 hours when I, when I clocked in and I finished it. And when I finished this game, I was well over 125. And when I think about it, if if Corona never happened, I probably would not have played this game because I literally bought this game out of boredom. And I don't regret it at all. It was fantastic. That's about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the Persona 5's golden, uh, where it just sprinkles in like quality of life stuff as well as uh, takes a chance to rebalance some things and add some new characters and stuff to it that's gives uh people that are returning it from the previous game like some new things to look forward to. Uh as well as just be like an ultimate edition for people that didn't get around to it. Yep. Uh yeah, that was quite a good game. I still have not gotten far in either version of it. So I think I'm in still in the first uh uh dungeon, so but yeah that's uh those games are good. Yes. Be excited for whatever six is going to be uh, but Pat, what is your number eight?
2: Well, I'll just add that Persona Five Royal was my number five as well. So, okay. Um, uh, my number eight was NHL '94 Rewind, another remake. And I didn't get to play NHL '94 the first time around. I I arrived a little bit late. Um, to the EA NHL series. Um, my first year for it was '97.
0: Okay, so you're like in the 3D era.
2: No, it was on or the Genesis. 2D. Okay, it was on the Genesis. It was like one base. of the
0: last ones they put there. Then,
2: yeah, um, ninety eight was the last one on the Genesis. Okay, but um, I always just assumed that the nostalgia for ninety four in particular was because it was one of the first games of that type, and people just kind of gravitated toward that version for that reason. No, it plays a better game of hockey than ninety five on and getting to experience it with modern rosters and some of the quality of life changes that were added in future installments is really a treat. I wish they would sell this game on its own because it deserves the attention. And
0: I think it's available separately now and it's on EA play. Oh, that's good. Now that I have, I have that on Xbox and PS4. Now, uh, so i can play that on ps5 and all that.
2: Yeah, give it a shot because it is a it is a treat and yeah. Hopefully they continue producing this flavor of NHL hockey. They really do everything they can to try and get every imaginable form of video game hockey in the main package of, you know, modern EA NHL. 21 was no different, yeah. but this just this goes the extra step and i i cannot recommend it enough it it is an absolute joy to play it plays a fantastic game of hockey and even though it's 5 on 5 it definitely captures a very arcade feel which i didn't care for back when i was playing 97 i i didn't like it when scores got up to like 12 to 9 or whatever but now that we have proper simulation hockey, I can go back and appreciate stuff like NHL 94. And honestly, at this point, it's the arcade stuff that is not adequately represented and I want to see more like it. So that's my number eight.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause that was like a weird pre-order bonus for NHL 21. I think
2: Yeah, it was a pre-order bonus. And then they did something last or last month where you could get it, but I don't remember what exactly that was. I do want to so point don't out
0: know. that this game Betting is it was on EA game Play Pass. access for
1: it. Was I'm that or What? Yeah, I do want to point out that this game is on Game Pass. So yeah, it's yeah. a good
0: download. Hell yeah! Yes. It's on EA Play, and since that's in Game Pass now, oh yeah, uh, you can check it out that way. All right. Yeah. So that uh, that's neat. That that's that's a thing they do. They've done that every once in a while. They put up like a version of that.
2: Well, oh, they had like, a. I think it was NHL 13 or NHL 14. They had an NHL 94 mode, but that was with the modern graphics and didn't really quite capture what NHL 94 was. Um, It was, it was with the same physics and everything as modern NHL. It just had arcade controls and uh, it was sped up a little more. This is NHL 94 with modern rosters. Okay. And hopefully, hopefully they continue with that because NHL '94 Rewind is it's a very refreshing experience.
0: Yeah, except yeah, MLB, the show has essentially the the retro baseball mode in it. Uh, that is that. Well, it's not two D. It's they try and do like a two D. Visual is just like oh it's just a blurry version of it, but uh, it's that same physics and all that uh, as the uh, the old like 2D games, which adds like a nice little twist to the the way the game plays. Which for me as somebody that generally plays has played baseball games that are 3D, uh, it's like a mind fuck of like oh shit this plays nothing like a realistic baseball game. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get to our number sevens here. Uh, for me, it is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, uh, a game that took, uh, the industry by storm in the summer as one of those kind of perfect, uh, PlayStation Plus games that, uh, has sold, I think it's sold over 10 million units now on Steam and PlayStation, uh, for Devolver Digital and the developers Media Tonic. It is a Battle Royale game. Uh, in the the mold of like a most extreme elimination uh, challenge, uh, M X C uh, style setup, where you have a bunch of these uh, little stages that uh, you're trying to get to the end of, or survive to the ends, uh, whatever the, the the stage requires of you. It's often very silly, uh, often requiring you to. Uh, you know, watch people that uh, you know, fuck it up and fall off to their doom. They'll, you know, get eliminated. In most of the games right away, the, the ones that are typically like finishers, you can fall off and die and be eliminated right there, but uh, it's a Battle Royale game that's very uh, newbie friendly, uh, though the controls take a little bit of getting used to, just because it's not like a, a normal platformer uh, the way it controls, but uh, once you get used to it, it's uh, a game that does everything right that you want out of a Battle Royale game. It's approachable. It doesn't really ask you for to buy cosmetics or anything all the time. Uh, the cosmetics it does have is purchasable, purchasable with currency that you can earn in-game. Uh, there's the crowns, which you get for winning games. And then there's the coins you get for just however well you do in each game. Um, uh, the battle passes are free. You don't have to spend money just to earn more cosmetics and all that. Uh, they had a lot of stuff through those, co- uh, those battle passes. Uh, and they've had, uh, some nice real, uh, some real cool tie-in, uh, outfits that are in the item shop. Uh, stuff that are tied to other, uh, indie games uh a lot of devolver stuff since it's a devolver game. Uh but they just added the or they've been offering some of the uh the outfits that are for the the people that's won the uh little donation uh thing they were doing. Uh Mr. Beast and Ninja and some of the other uh groups that joined together for uh a charity donation thing. Uh so that stuff has been up on there so Uh, it's a game that has that the the devs have done well supporting it, adding new stuff they're on their third season now and added some new uh, games just for that some that are familiar to what uh, has been in the game before but uh, new all the less which uh, adds some new wrinkles that keeps it feeling fresh uh, the way you kind of want out of this game Uh, I assume at some point this year it'll come to the other consoles and have crossplay for that uh, hopefully, I haven't seen so much of uh, cheating still an issue on PC, but uh, I think they've gotten over that hump for the most part. That's good. So that is uh that is my number seven, uh, Danrib. How about you?
1: My number seven is also Fall Guys. Um, okay. I don't really have much to add that you didn't already said, and there is some bias in there because like when, when fall guys came out like i was quote unquote good like after a week i already had eight crowns and, and stuff like that and i was like yeah i love this game but then eventually when i fell off i fell off i i i never came back to it i was never part of season 2 or, or season 3 uh, i think it's still season 3 right now but yeah, yeah. um uh it's, it's 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 just fun you know um, yeah. eventually i i will go back to it i don't know how much better the competition has gotten but uh you know, it's I, I about I'm, the
0: same. Your issue would be there'll be new stages mixed in, yeah. so you'd be like, "Oh, I don't, I'm not good at this one yet."
1: Yeah, uh, well, well, I think that the last time I played was when they added that uh, that new final contest where there's a propeller and you have to last on, on the platforms that fall down.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a fun game. That's one of the most uh, fun like cultural games that came out this year. Uh, that's took everybody by storm, uh, at least for a few months there. There's still plenty of people playing it, so uh, you can jump in whenever and have some fun. since both of our sevens were the same, how about you, Pat? What's your number seven?
2: Pacer. And again, that's going to probably get a what from most people, but Pacer is not a tribute to Wipeout. It is Wipeout. It was. De- it's a futuristic racer developed by former Psygnosis staff, and they even repurposed the uh, quasi mascot of the Wipeout series, Angry Man, um, to show up on some just general imagery associated with Pacer. Um, that's actually one of the cards that I got for it on Steam, and I don't think the the game is structured as well as it could have been, but it definitely does capture the feel of Wipeout very well, and I'm very hopeful that they can just continue a new tradition under this under this name, since it doesn't really look like Sony's trying to do anything with Wipeout anymore. So that's my number seven.
0: All right. So let's see. Number six... My number 6 is Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, for the PS5 and PS4. Uh, the the thing I would most say about this is that it is very much Spider-Man uh, but more focused. Now it's kind of a, a bit of a smaller story but not really uh, a smaller focus because uh, you're still uh, Miles Morales, who's also Spider-Man who's dealing with being on his own as the one Spider-Man in the city of uh, Peter Parker has, uh, gone gone on a like work vacation with, uh, Mary Jane over in Europe. So you're kind of left dealing with, uh, uh, the fallout of like one of the opening things you do is, uh, trying to escort uh rhino and uh, a number of the prisoners that have escaped the raft at the end of the first game. And, you know what? It the fucks up again. Uh, Rhino uh, is doing his thing, banging up against his uh, his like a uh, container that they put him in, which seems like a bad idea to put him in something that could because uh, they're taken around by uh, helicopters. So, like, okay, let's put something that uh, does not like being shaken around and put a man who will do nothing but just bump in into this fucking container and just knock everything out. Uh, Miles tries to help uh, help out, but ends up just helping things go haywire, and so he deals with the fallout of this, and in the course of it, he figures out that he has extra powers, uh, the Venom ones, which are... It's like uh, electricity powers, not so much tied to Venom, uh, the character. Uh, so this like gives him uh, added power to his... Uh, Punches he can do like a, a second double jump in the air uh stuff like that uh has some neat ways of uh adding to the combat system uh you eventually also get uh invisibility powers uh, as well, which helps out with uh some of the stealth stuff if you want to do that if you want to do like the the Batman Arkham thing of skulking around an area and uh trying to uh pull up everybody onto the walls to uh take them out quietly that kind of stuff you can do that. Um, and so the story, uh, the story stuff kind of just focuses around the main campaign. Uh, but there are some side stuff as, uh, Miles's best friend Genki has set up this app where people can ask you to do things. They also put all the, the crime stuff in that. So it still has that little bit of annoyance of, you know, you going around just looking for collectibles or whatever. And it's, uh, just kind of just like, oh, there's, there's a robbery going on over here. These guys, you know, stole a truck. Uh, go stop them, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I kind of wish you could just put the that part of it on like mute, since it's all a phone app kind of thing. Uh, if you could just like mute that stuff, but uh, being on PS Five, the activity stuff adds a lot to this game. As you can just launch into uh, some of the side missions just from that menu, uh, without having to swing around the world. For as fun as that is, uh, you can just save yourself time kind of doing a lot of the, uh, the open-world checkpoint stuff uh, by doing that. And even from just the, the dashboard itself, just launch in a few seconds, and you're into the game. Uh, it uses that stuff really well and shows uh, a great potential for that stuff being used really well in the future uh, for PS5 games. Uh, and so, yeah, the story itself is really well done. Miles is a really good character. Uh uh especially as he starts to navigate, you know, what his powers uh are, uh who this underground uh is, uh the underground group that is sort of threatening the city and how everything ties into it. Uh into the greater Spider-Man like lore cuz I assume when they get to Spider-Man 2, you're going to be Miles and Peter kind of uh fighting to save the city and maybe they'll get gwen stacy in there at some point and have uh that spider-man into the the whole thing uh you have anything to add dan rim i assume this is on your list
1: um spider-man unfortunately did not make my list um okay uh but i i really liked it um and the main reason why i didn't make my list is was because it just felt like too much of an aside from uh the original, or not, the original, but the one that came out a couple years ago. It it it, yeah. it really felt like uh, expanded DLC, and it it, it 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 just didn't feel like a full experience. But at the same time, I did feel like the overall story was better, and it, and it was condensed in such, in such a way where um it was respectful for a launch title.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I think Spider-Man Miles Morales was our number. We see six. I think it was no. So, seven. Yeah, it's our number seven game of the year for the staff. Uh, So, pretty high up, but uh, a little bit under the the first game, one hour number one overall in 2018, I think it was. Yep. So, let's see. All right. Danner, what is your number six then?
1: Yeah, my number six was The Legend of Heroes, Child of Cold Steel 4. Um, Okay. Yeah. So obviously as Pat can reckon, like this is a, this, this is a favorite amongst this. Yes. Since he's, uh, you know, brought up the series to us. I've been in love since day one. Um, and Charles of cold steel Four, you know, tap does the end of the saga, but you know, nothing really ends in the series. But, um, the main thing that makes this game, what it is, uh, is the fact that there is all sorts of payoff for people that have been with the game since Trails in the sky. Um, at one point in the game, you have access to 39 characters that you can put in three different parties, and it really just gives the whole Avengers end game vibe to this series, and that's really uh, like nothing I've ever seen in gaming before. And I think, yeah, we totally got to give the game credit for that. It's uh, worth uh, the ride. Totally, um, and we've we, we've um, criticized NIS America a lot in the past for really really bad localization, but ever since *Chaos of Cold Steel* three. Cold Steel Four was really not a problem, and like my main criticisms with the game were the fact that some voice actors had to um, uh, had to be changed. But I think that's mostly because of COVID, and that that's nothing that we can really control. But yeah, everything about the game is an is an improvement. But at the same time, it's also really I don't want to say bloated, but you know it's 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 really really long. But it's 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 long for for good reason because they give each and every character in the series like. Um, the amount of uh, attention and respect they deserve. And it's really unfortunate that there's uh, two games in the series that haven't been localized in the West yet, and they really pay off uh, on that result too. So hopefully we can see that change in the future. But again, having not even experienced those two games, like uh, this was definitely a highlight of my year so far. And I remember getting the review code a little late, and um, I ended up clocking in, hundred and thirty hours from start to finish and I was like, wow. Um I I barely got three of you uh I, I barely uh, beat the embargo and um yeah that that
2: was an interesting thing to observe.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it, 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 it was quite rough. Like and this also would not have happened if uh you know the if, if the pandemic wasn't here. Like uh, I had I had to spend at least thirteen hours per day in order to get this gives to get this review out on time. So yeah.
0: Is it on your list, Pat? Oh yeah. What
2: it is that? my it is my number three. Alright, do you have anything to add? <clears throat> Not really. Um like I said, it's absolutely worth the ride. Start with in the sky and just go from there. And even though it hasn't been officially localized yet, there are very good translations out there of the crossbell arc. So just plug those into a PSP emulator and, you know, find copies on eBay or something if you want to stay above board. You need to experience this series if you haven't already and if you love JRPGs. It doesn't get better than this.
0: Yeah, the the reason I'm not even close to playing this game is because I'm still. I beat the first Trails of the Sky, Trails in the Sky. (laughs) Uh, I played some of uh, Cold
2: Steel
0: 1. And then that's, as far as I've gotten, it's like, okay, I need to play the second uh, Trails in the Sky, and then the other two, I finished Cold Steel, and then the other two Cold Steels, then maybe I'll be able to play four. <laughs>
1: yeah, because I mean... it
0: like, doesn't this- seem like a game that I can just jump into and be like, alright, I know what's going
2: on. It is an ongoing story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like it's really strange that they decided to put uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3 on Switch, because I'm like, they have no foundation to even like get ready for that game
2: yeah apparently and they stuck a primer in there i
1: yeah. can only imagine the, yeah. the primer like as, as well written as it is it just is not enough and like you know we can we, we can go on for hours about how much we love and would recommend this series to anybody but it's also really intimidating and i get it i mean every single one of these games is at least 60 hours from start to finish and that doesn't even include side quests and the thing about the side yeah. quests is that the world building is so good you actually want to do them yeah,
0: yeah, I remember playing the Trails in the Sky, and it's like, oh, I did, probably didn't get all the side quests, but the ones I did find, I tried to do uh, if I could. Uh, and yeah, they're they're games that maybe don't look like they set themselves apart from your average JRPG, but the the writing and the oh yes, the way things work out uh, over the course of the game really gets your attention more than most uh, JRPGs will. Uh, so, I'll eventually get there at some point. Uh, just keep this pandemic going on so I maybe have more time at some point. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, so, Pat, what is your number six?
2: NHL 21. All right. It's such a complete hockey package. They just give you any way that you could possibly want to experience hockey in a video game and put it in a single box, which is very non EA if you think about it. But there's definitely something different going on with EA Canada. They're just a completely different breed of developer. And whether you want a a straight-up arcade three-on-three experience, a straight-up simulation, a managerial simulation, you know, whatever you can come up with, I think the only thing they have yet to really get right is coaching. And I'm sure it's coming. So if you're there There's even a sort of a social platform in World of chell they call it um literally any way that you could want to experience a hockey game is either here or being worked on. I'm absolutely positive so um, just like the last few years i I can give n h l twenty one my highest recommendation. The only reason it's so low on this list is because it's um it doesn't stand out as as much of a groundbreaking title as last year's game was, and that's not because this is a bad game or, or even a just okay game. It's because NHL 20 was so groundbreaking. So, that is my number six.
0: Okay, and about updates, The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel 4 is our number ten overall game. Yep, like it's three of the games that are on this list we've talked about already.
1: Yeah, that was Uh, the main reason why I I didn't fight for Persona 5, because I wanted (laughs) Cold Steel to be on the list. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so
0: let's get to our number five. Uh, My number five is The Last of Us Part 2. It's a game that I have not beaten yet because it is a game that uh, is not one that I would call fun, and coming out during the summer, uh, there's not a great time to play a game that is very much brutal and not a positive experience that you may be looking for in the middle of all the uh, the protests and election stuff that was going on during the summer. Uh, so I did fall off a little bit there, but uh, what I had played uh, was a game that just really is uh, an accomplishment for this studio. Uh, expectations were very high after The Last of Us. Uh, I even played through uh, the first game earlier this year, uh before part two came out and it's it's an excellent game and then the way they kind of follow it up here is the the early parts of the game are kind of dealing with the fallout of that uh and the the fallout of Joel not telling Ellie some important things that uh happened at the end of that game. Uh the the way that's uh I'm not gonna really spoil it too much but Joel no longer becomes a part of the story. Uh, And that's how uh, Abby is introduced. Uh, She is the sort of second playable character here, not really a part of Ellie's uh, group. Uh, She's kind of a rival that has her own uh, ambitions and uh, goals for this. Uh, And I assume if I keep playing on, I'll find out more about that. But you definitely see a lot of the. Uh, as uh, Ellie uh, is struggling to deal with what is going on, what what happened, and uh, goes on her revenge quest, that uh, the entire game is sort of about the: is revenge really worth it, and what somebody that has kind of dealt with the things Ellie has dealt with over her life, uh, how that affects people. Uh, both herself and those around her. Uh, it is a game that's not going to be a fun experience, uh, but they've taken a lot of the mechanics that the original had and enhanced them, uh, improved them, uh, and taken things they've learned from like the Uncharted 4, where you have some bigger areas you can explore and things to go find, and you do get some quiet moments, like uh, Ellie can uh, find a guitar and play some stuff, and people have done some really cool... Uh, things with that because you are strumming on the, the chords, uh, uh, or the strings with the, uh, the touchpad. And so, like, the different, uh, strings are on you know, different parts of the, uh, touchpad so you can play stuff, uh, if you're actually really good at that stuff. Uh, it's just kind of wild that within this game that has a lot of violence, uh, to it. It's like a pretty decent uh guitar simulator. Uh to it and uh there's lots of fun uh attention to detail. Like I ran out of uh uh or like with the original game you would carry around uh a brick or a bottle cuz you needed something you could throw at enemies. Uh but here you can use that to like break glass and open up other areas that you can get into uh, for resources and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a game that naughty dog has done an excellent job on. Uh, but, uh, for me, it was just not the greatest time to put it out. Cause I didn't necessarily want all of this baggage on me at that time, but I'll get to it here in probably the next few weeks. Uh, is it on your list, Dan rip?
1: Yeah. Uh, the last of Us part two was my number two. Okay. Um,
0: Do you want to talk about it?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't want to say too much because you know that, that that would be spoiler stuff. But um, this game proved that you know there really is no storyteller in the industry like like Naughty Dogs is. They're 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 just absolutely fantastic. I did not want this game to happen at all. I thought the original ending to I thought the ending to the original Last of Us was perfect, and I would have really preferred to um, keep that up to interpretation. But uh, the way um, Druckmann and everybody chose to continue to tell the story was done in an absolute fantastic way and this game is by far the most beautiful game that I've ever played visually um, uh, before it I was getting ready by playing The Last of Us Remastered on PS4 and that looked great but uh, mm-hmm. The Last of Us Part 2 just shits on it in, in every possible way and it's just fantastic like this is the modern day um, Metal Gear Solid 2 for newer gamers and yeah, yeah uh, like you said it's it's not exactly a fun experience but it's definitely a deep, uh, thought-provoking one. And yeah, um, yeah so we'll, we'll eventually when you do find time to finish it, I, I, I'd love to uh, hear about your thoughts because this is def- definitely a game that will keep people talking and it's definitely yeah. deserving yeah. of all the recognition it's been getting.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a game that looks so good that a lot of people are like, oh, why do we need these new consoles? And it's like... <laughs> Devs have come up with a lot of tricks to make these games look good in spite of the, the hardware they're running on. So I would be excited if they're actually going to do like an upgrade for the PS5 because I imagine that will uh, destroy a lot of people's minds. What this game could even look better than this, uh, especially because I think they're also supposed to be getting like a, a new multiplayer thing out at some point this year. But yeah, this uh, yeah, it's a it's a hell of a game uh yeah like the the little video i did for the the top 10 list was weird because i was like okay there's a combat here but i really don't want to get into it uh i think i went up and killed like one person that was uh just running around like a dummy on top of this building uh, and just snuck up and killed him without alerting the others and it's like oh yeah you can see like these people around uh walking around and it's like i don't really want to do too much more because it's I didn't really want to get back into that combat just yet because I had not played it enough. Because <laughs> uh, some of these games I jumped into for the videos, I was like, oh, yeah, how do I play this game? <laughs> uh, uh, especially like Fantasy Start uh, Online 2. Uh, I jumped into uh, a mission that was not like one of the normal missions. It was like when you had to go into areas and like hit switches to unlock uh, exits to other areas. Uh, oh, a time
2: attack, probably.
0: I don't think it was a time attack. I think it was it was in like a snowy area, so maybe it was like a winter event. No, there, there, there's thing.
2: a time attack in the tundra.
0: Okay. because so I don't think there was a time element to it. I just didn't have health items. So I eventually ran out of health because I had also forgotten how to dodge. So that was an important thing. I got to the boss and then just died there because I just had no health.
2: Yeah, you have to um, be one with the right trigger.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's Last of Us Part Two. That is our number three game, I think it is, on our list. Yeah, our number three overall. So, Pat, what is your number five?
1: Persona Five Royal. All right. I didn't. I didn't do my number five yet, so I can do mine. Oh yeah, Danner, what is your number five? Yeah, my number five was Yakuza: Like a Dragon. Um, like. If if I wanted to, this would have been the game that I would I would have pushed the same way that Pat pushed Fantasy um, Star Online, um, just because like I mean I've 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 always been a fan of the Yakuza series, but Yakuza like a Dragon just took it in a totally different direction. Uh, for those of you that aren't into the series, like this one took it more into a JRPG route, uh, primarily with this shift into a turn based battle system, and um, it pretty much borrowed a lot from Persona in that regard except that, you know, it, it's, it's with the craziness of Yakuza like, um, for those of you that are into the series, you'd know that the Yakuza uh, stories are all pre- pretty serious, but when you go into this uh, into the side quests, it just goes off the rails into ridiculousness um, like yeah, for the, any promise whatsoever uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't get any of what you said, what you you say?
0: what you say, Pat?
2: I just said, or any combat whatsoever, serious <laughs> or otherwise.
0: Yeah, the combat's part of the humor in those games, too, because yes. uh, being able to take dudes out with bicycles and uh, whatever you could find And in this game...
2: Rip a sign uh, out of the street and start beating people with it.
0: Yeah. In this game, you don't pick up weapons uh, specifically, uh, but if a weapon is in the way as you're walking to an enemy, he'll just pick it up and use it.
1: Uh, <laughs> so that's just...
0: That's just yeah. hilarious. So you might not be expecting, like, oh, I'm going to do extra damage because there's there's a, a bicycle over here or a sign or something, then just runs near and is like, oh, I'll pick this up and just fucking knocks a dude out
1: with this. In, uh, in the other Yakuza games, you can just like you know pick up motorcycles and just throw them at people. Whereas in, in Yakuza like a Dragon, if you're heading into an enemy, you will run at them, performing your attack, but you'll also either kick something in, in, into their direction or whatever it be. And it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, um, the, sometimes really hype- it,
0: other enemies will interrupt you if they're in the way. So you can't necessarily do like a JRPG where it's like, Oh, well, I'll focus on this one. But if you know, an enemy is in the way of one character, you're better off oh, yeah. splitting out oh. your attention.
1: They'll, 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 they'll hit you and cancel out your attack. So that's actually a really cool um, wrinkle into the game strategy. Ooh, I like that. Um, but for like, uh, like, like for example, like y- y- it's four on four or, or let's say four on six. And you want to attack an enemy in the back. If you use a regular attack, um, someone in the front will stop you from doing it. And, you know, that that's that, that, that's your own fault. You should have realized that, that they were in your line of sight. And, um, yeah, there are definitely uh, different ways to attack people. But what really sets this game apart is um, its main character, uh, Ichiban Kasuga. Uh, just a little bit of his background. He was born from a soap land. And, um, yeah, he eventually found his way into a, into a Yakuza because he... Um, he just randomly name dropped and it all of a sudden worked in his favor. And it pretty much goes into the Yakuza one route where he serves a jail sentence um, for his um, patriarch and uh, eventually gets out, you know, years later. So with this one, uh, like the events happen in the year 2000 and eventually he goes to jail for 20 years. So all of a sudden, Oh, it's 2020. So like, he doesn't realize that Japan has changed in regards to like things like cell phones and, um things like that so it really makes yeah, he sees him, people you know, talking on the phone
0: he's like what the fuck is that
1: yeah like you actually have to earn your smartphone and like learn how to use it and like your, your smartphone ends up being like your main way to get around like if you call taxis and things like that to get around the open world and you know, yeah it's all pretty interesting but anyway going back to the main character like he's also a huge gamer himself and he always related himself to the dragon quest hero and like eventually when you find your first real weapon which is a barbed wire bat it's actually stuck in, in in the sand. And when when you pull it out, he just does this epic pose. Like he's like some Dragon Quest hero. And like, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. because like the, the the game just makes fun of JRPGs while at the same time being a great one in, in its own right. And like yeah. in a year yeah. where we had Persona 5 Royal, of Cold Steel 4 and FF7 Remake, Yakuza Like a Dragon stands up to each and every one of them. And I'm really glad I played this game. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I like know. the fun thing is when he describes like what kind of hero he is. He says like, "Oh, I learned everything about being a hero from Dragon Quest, and everything else from you know, like the the boss of his clan." Yeah. Uh, so like that's what he is. So he's like a he's like a dumb uh, shonen hero. Uh, yeah. because so, he he doesn't necessarily do everything like a yakuza does. Uh, he's, he's okay basically with being the opposite on of to people. Yeah, kind of. Totally,
1: totally. He's he's, he's an idiotic Goku, if it, like if if anything, or a more idiotic Goku, and um. Yeah, like wow. I remember, like when I first started playing the game, like Patrick asked me, like what kind of um, like what, what, what kind of mini games there were, and like yeah, you you can play Virtual Fighter Two, uh, Virtual Fighter Five, and there's also this um, this uh, other mini game called Dragon Cart, which I'm pretty sure is the Sonic All Stars Racing Transformed, um, uh, system put into Yakuza. So I'm like, wow, there is so much shit in this one, and like yeah, there's I don't lots want of
0: weird to- side stuff as well, because like uh. Yeah there's some shit that happens and you're homeless. Uh, That's kind of your uh, point where you're kind of like lose your powers. You don't really lose them, but it kind of resets your standing in the game. Uh, And one of your first things is like, Oh, you got to drive this uh, bike around and collect cans. And you're facing other homeless people on the bikes. Uh, It's like a, a weird, like uh, arcade game in a sense where you're just driving around trying to get enough cans and avoid the other so it's like a weird Pac Man bike situation uh <laughs> thing. And like you can run around and if you find uh uh vending machines you can like look under them for money or other things.
1: I don't uh, know if uh Sega uh, intended this to be Yakuza Seven, but Ichiban totally deserves his own sub series if need be, so
2: it's called Ryugo Gotoku seven in Japan, so Yes. Yeah,
0: everybody's like, uh, if this doesn't work out, then we'll just make more like the original. But I think they've done a good enough job here that's is deserving of its own uh, series in itself. Yeah, you
2: know, the North American name is funny in and of itself because Ryuga Gotoku literally means like a dragon. In other words, that was the name of the series all along.
0: Yeah, but they don't have the seven on there because I assume they want this to be approachable. Yeah. Uh, versus like thinking like, oh, i got to play a bunch of other games before I play this. And it's like, no, it's a new character cast and all that kind of stuff. But Story if you arc. play the others, you know you know, Kamarocho and uh, probably meet some characters and such you've seen in other games. Because I think one you of the early areas you go to, uh, I distinctly remember from playing from one of the other games at the beginning. It's like that's uh, the whole... Area where you go to the restaurant kind of thing is like one of your last things to do before going to jail. Uh, like, that was in one of the other Yakuza games. Okay. It's like there's there's a lot to like about it if you've played the others as well. So, cool. Yeah, you got anything else to add Dinner?
1: No. Just play this okay. game. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that is uh Yakuza is like a dragon. I call that on my list as like one of the games I wish I had more time for. Uh because I've played a few hours of it, and it's been really good so far. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Pat, you already have your five on here. So uh, let's go to our number fours. And mine is Astro's Playroom. Uh, one of the games that does a great job of selling you on the DualSense controller. Because uh, even from the start, it runs you through like a little demo of, oh, here's how the triggers... Uh, the 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 adaptive triggers work, and it's like, oh shit! Uh, and then the haptic feedback and all that kind of stuff, uh, and just everything you do in the game, you can feel it in the the triggers and the the controller itself. How it uses this stuff, it does a really good job of showcasing that stuff. But uh, in the game itself, it is just a fantastic platformer. Uh, it has a lot of the same mechanics of Astrobot Rescue Mission uh, to it, but uh, a little bit of a smaller game. I think it's four main worlds, like four areas in each of those worlds. Uh, and then one final area for uh, a final boss. And But you get a little hub area you can uh, hang around in. There's some stuff to do in there. Uh, you get a PlayStation Labo area that has like all the artifacts you find. Because uh, as you're playing through the game, uh, you see lots of uh, bots that are kind of... Uh, paying homage to various PlayStation franchises, both from Sony and from third parties, uh, as well as indies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, flavor added to it from there. That's,
1: I love that the, uh, the quote-unquote artifacts are all old PlayStation peripherals or systems. I'm like, wow, why don't to, to make me feel old, guys? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, you usually see at least like two versions of each of the consoles. Uh, it's like the original PlayStation 1 and the, the PS1 Mini. Uh, the PS2 and the thin PS2. Uh, yeah, I think it's just two of the PS3s. Uh, yeah, and the the PS4 and the PS4 Pro. But they have all the accessories, like the the Aim controller for VR, The PSVR headsets. Usually get a disc for each of the consoles. So you can the see that which has uh, uh, AstroBot versions of classic games. It's like the the PS2 disc has like a it's just called Bot, but it's in the Eco font. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, like it's bot charted for the PS3, which is the, <laughs> the Uncharted version, but one of the stages you'll see a bunch of bots playing a game on uh, a TV that says Dude Raider. So making fun of the the way the uh, the original Uncharted was received, so people just called it Dude Raider. Uh, so yeah, the, the platform itself is really well done. Uh, the way they use the uh, the gyro for the, the bow segments. There's a lot of fun little suits that uh, uh, AstroBot has in the different areas. There's one that's you're using the touchpad to roll this ball around. So you're trying to avoid you know, obstacles, all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's one that is based all around the triggers with the, uh, the rock climbing section. And so you run up on some uh, points that are on like fragile pieces of rock. So you kind of have to pull it a little bit down to grab onto it without ripping them out. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's like a frog suit that you're kind of jump in, uh, by pulling down the triggers for that to lock it in. Uh, and the other one's like a spaceship that you're flying around. So it does a lot of fun stuff there to give it variety. And the, the world's just kind of just packed with stuff. You're kind of always want to look around, uh, all the platforms for little secret areas and such. So, uh and you definitely want to look at all the uh the different references and try and figure out what they are uh because there's quite a few of them in there and some that are probably going to be uh obscure for people that maybe just jumped into the the PlayStation ecosystem with like the PS4 or whatever uh but yeah as a platformer itself it's so really well done and it definitely sets the stage for them to make a uh a sequel to Astro Rescue Mission that's uh, very much will uh, rival Mario, uh, much as I thought Astro Bot Rescue Mission was the best platformer of last generation. Uh, this sets the stage for them to make one that's the, the best platformer uh, for the next few years.
2: Yeah, I'm not about to buy a PS5 for this game, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited to try it out when I do get a PS5. Yeah,
0: it's. I think it made our list at number nine, and I think it's partially only at that point because uh, not everybody on staff has a PS5 at this point because uh, I think anybody that has one and is interested in platformers would check this out because it's it's free it's pre-installed in the system you don't really have to do anything to check it out and you will uh, enjoy the hell out of it for I think I've put about 6 or 7 hours into it at this point it's like yeah, that's exactly. really great for a free game
1: and uh pat you you actually really liked uh super Mario 3 d world when that came out on Wii u right oh yes the the, the platforming mechanics are almost the same cool for what, for whatever that's worth
2: that's yeah. a that's a good impression already
1: you have anything else to add dan rep um no um again it it, it it didn't make my list just because like uh, i felt like the other ten just did a whole lot more but um just uh going off of astro's playbot that's Definitely, or uh, playroom. It's, it's it's my favorite PS5 game so far, even yeah. over Spider Man.
0: Yeah, and that's that's an impressive feat for this game to be kind of the one that uh, everybody talks about for the PS5 because it's not the one that uh, is the the biggest name, I guess. Because there's Demon Souls and there's Spider Man. It's like uh, you would think those would be the thing, but it's actually this one a uh, platformer that kind of really just overwhelms everybody when they first get it. Uh, so that is worth checking out. Daner, what is your number four?
1: Yeah, my number four is Hades. Um, like, uh, just, 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 uh, just to be transparent, like, um, with Supergiant games, uh, Greg Kasavin is a friend of ours. Like most of us, uh, came from Gamespot, and we, Absolutely. All, we all, uh, really enjoyed his stuff there when he was, um, um, I, I forget what editor in chief or executive editor, but he did he, he did awesome stuff, and he was always friend uh, friendly with us moderators. So um, yeah, just to put that out there. But yeah, um, Super Giant Games just does mm-hmm. not miss. Um, I really nope, enjoyed nope. Bastion. Uh, Transistor probably to me is their weakest title, but it was a great one nonetheless. Yeah, was I, didn't,
2: I didn't. I never quite got Transistor. I'll admit.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Pyre was absolutely fun, even though there, there wasn't much to it. It was really just like a sports game, but it was, it was a great one in its own Right. Yes. And, uh, Hades, um, according to like, uh, interviews I've read that, uh, Greg gave, like Hades was really the first game that really took learnings from all three of those games and made it into one awesome experience. And, and yeah, it shows Hades is definitely like some bastion. It has, it has the challenge of transistor and it has the, it has like the, the bullet hellness of, uh, of Pyre and, uh, like yeah it, it it's just an an awesome experience i'm i'm not even a, a big roguelike fan um but Hades just does it a whole lot differently um like in this game uh basically the idea is to just get out of hell and um they do that by putting you through this just various levels of various action um um action segments and they 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 they, they really um do a good job with um making you not feel bad when you die because when you do die eventually you know you you come back to Tartarus and then they uh the various characters will talk about how you got in there and you'll you'll come across people that you've um killed on your journey and they say oh yeah like i really had you that time or the other way around and it's just really really smart you know like um i've 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 never played a game where it it makes fun of you but at the same time doesn't insult your your, uh, your skill and that's really tough to come by especially with a game in this genre and um the way they really pay attention to the greek mythology of it all is absolutely fantastic um i've never gotten to a point where i've uh, where i've uh, escaped yet but um i'm actually uh playing the game a little bit right now as i as i wait for my turn to speak and yeah this is this is definitely a fun one
0: yeah yeah it's it's my number three game uh is a damn good game especially as like a a culmination of the, the work that they've done over the last 10 years, uh, with their other stuff. You got like the, the variety of weapons that Bastion had. You have a good eight weapons here. And, uh, early on, you typically want to pick the weapon that's going to give you bonus, uh, uh, whatever the, the purple gems, uh, you get. Uh, and it's a good way to kind of learn the different weapons as you unlock them. Uh, it includes like the, the customization of your combat that uh, Transistor head, because uh, as you go, you get boons from your various uh, family members, the other gods, uh, and that can change how uh, your weapons work or enhance different things uh, about them. You, know, you can get like a thing like, oh, this deflects all the shots that come at you. It's like, oh, great, now I can uh, use my abilities to just block shots and you're going to die some other dumb way, but uh, for the time being, you feel invincible, uh, the way that changes things up, or uh, things that change up, like you can leave stuff behind when you're dashing, or shoot uh, lightning bolts at enemies when you're dashing, that kind of stuff. It does a great job of injecting some sort of customization to the, the way the combat works each run, uh, with these different like boons and perks you get, uh, as well as some shopping stuff you can do during, the, during your runs that can get you some Temporary stuff that uh, works well for you. And uh, with Pyre, it's kind of the the way they integrate story into the whole thing. As you are get these different runs going, uh, you're talking to different characters. You get these like Nectar that can gain you some favor with different characters. That just uh, unlocks more lore for them. Uh, Because you have like a little... uh, it just has like information about the characters, the the enemies, the weapons, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it just constantly is unlocking as you do more things in the game. And yeah, I haven't gotten that far uh, in it either, but uh, it's been a game that I actually have to fight myself to not play as much uh, as I can. Because every time I jump in for a run, I'm like, okay, I can do this one more. And it's like, oh, I need to stop, because otherwise I'll do this for a few hours and not... Uh, Want to stop, which is bad for <laughs> wanting to actually beat it because I'm not getting as much consistent time into it as I'd like. But uh, it's a game that rewards your time and cements Super Giant Games as one of the top developers in the industry.
1: Yes, yeah, it's it, it's also perfect on Switch. Like I really wish I didn't have Joy Cons with, with with drift problems because this is definitely a game that I would spend so much time in bed with. <laughs>
0: So. Yeah. Is this on your list, Pat?
1: Number four.
0: Alright, so you have anything to say about it?
2: Uh, just that what I said in my game of the year list, It um, I once regarded them as having all the makings of a young atlas, and this feels less like the perpetuation of that status than the fulfillment of it.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think they just recently added the ability to transfer saves between PC and uh, Switch. So Brilliant. Now it's less of having the them being two separate platforms. And I'm expecting at some point this year it'll come to the other consoles. And that's where I can think it'll get even more of a boost as more people can jump in uh for the game because it's yeah it's an excellent one. Uh let's see, okay, so that was your number four as well. So uh let's see, my number three was Hades, so Danner, what is your number three?
1: My number three is Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> um all right yeah ghost of tsushima i had all sorts of fun with um i know people uh related to uh, assassin's creed a lot um i didn't have uh as much experience with the assassin's creed series so that's not something i i really compared it to my comparison was really breath of the wild uh, because of its open world like granted like ghost of tsushima like totally shits on breath of the wild as far as like just the way it looks visually i mean like I know, I said that The Last of Us Part Two is is the best looking game I've ever played. But as far as like the most beautiful game I've ever played visually, it's Ghost of Tsushima. Like every frame of this game can be uh, can be sh- uh, shared in whatever way possible, and it would, it would look good as, as your as your background for like your phone or your desktop or whatever it may be because it's just uh, it's just that yeah. awesome looking. And yeah, I would say like, maybe
0: The Last of Us is like the best looking game, and mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima is like the most stylish game of the year.
1: Totally. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that, and um, yeah, the 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 journey from uh, beginning to end, um, honestly, it the 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 mainlining was okay to me. Uh, what what really set it apart to me was um, the characters you come across and the arcs that they have. Like uh, you'll come across uh, various characters who have like five stories in their arc, and like um, all of them are amazing because you you really get to see like. Um, Sucker Punch really try their um, hand of storytelling, and it was all done pretty well. And um, the crown jewel in, uh, of this game, really in my opinion, was the battle system because there are two. Uh, you have your your typical melee combat, or you have um, re- right before it starts. Like I, I honestly forgot what they were called. I think they were called uh, showdowns or whatever it may be, where you had to watch your opponent's moves and um, re- release the triangle uh, button to. Uh, uh, properly counter strike and and uh eventually like make your battles easier because you you you've, you are already killed a few uh before the actual fight started and um yeah like <clears throat> this game um it, it, it's funny cuz like I, when it was released like you know sucker punches is, is a western studio so when it was released like uh people from you know namco and like other japanese studios were like man how come we didn't make this game first and it's because like you know the the uh, the version of field japan they have is absolutely fantastic and it it affected me more personally because um japan was one of the destinations i wanted to go this year and it was you know obviously canceled because of the pandemic and the fact that they were able to um really uh really portray uh the various uh, uh samurai films in such a way that they did just really uh showed their care for uh, the culture in various ways, and as someone of Asian American descent, like you know, representation really matters, and um, I don't think any game did it as well as Ghost of Tsushima did this year. So, yeah, it's, that's why yeah. it's highly high for me.
0: Yeah, for me, that is my number one game of the year, uh, and I contrasted it to the Last of Us Part Two, where that kind of wore me down with its story, and Ghost of Tsushima was kind of the the perfect counter to the awfulness of this year. Uh, just everything going on with the, the protests, the election, all this stuff. This was a game that uh, kind of let me escape from it uh, as much as kind of Animal Crossing was. Uh, it was a fun world to explore. I rarely use the horse because I just enjoy just running around, uh, picking up stuff as you go, and uh, just exploring. And Because uh, the way they uh, unveil the map for you is really well done. Uh, it's it's a fog uh, fog of war kind of system, so if you're not uh, walking uh, all over the place, you're just gonna see you know the lines left behind where you were. Uh, but when you talk to people, they'll say like, "Oh, I heard there's you know something going on over here, and it'll add a, a symbol to the map uh, for you to go explore. like oh there's uh, Mongols have taken over this area, this camp over here, so can you go and do that? or I heard there's something weird going on over here. Uh, that kind of stuff and throws symbols on that way. So it's not like Assassin's Creed where you're looking at your map and like, you're like, Jesus Christ, how can I do everything here? Uh, this is too much for me. Uh, and so it does a good way of like sprinkling in the side content without just being like, oh, here's a map full of icons. Uh, but that's a lot of what I did was just explore and f- go to each of these icons to see what it was. Uh, so, which is why I'm still on the first highland and I've put 50 hours into the game. Uh, some of that's letting it sit uh, while I was doing other stuff, but uh, not all of it. It's probably at least 40 hours of actually playing it. And yeah, the, uh, the storytelling is really well done as you're kind of the last of the, uh, the big samurai, I guess, in Japan uh, in this area at this point. Uh, as the Mongol invasions killed pretty much everybody that you know of, uh, but you find uh, little bits of people uh, here and there, uh, and it kind of takes cues from the Kurosawa movies as you're kind of putting together your band of uh, the last remaining like fighters on the island to fight against the Mongols, uh, and that's kind of like a lot of the the story stuff you're doing is you're recruiting these people and you find oh. You know, here's the the person that helps you out after the, the initial uh, big fight, uh, and they're kind of teaching you like, yo, know, the the way of the samurai is maybe not uh, working anymore because these guys just came in and fucking wiped you all out. Uh, maybe you need to rethink this this whole honor system and you know only fighting you know head on. Uh, and kind of introduce you to the concept of the ghost. Uh, which is your sort of stealth system uh, to it. And that kind of feeds into the story a bit as you kind of talk to your uncle uh, early on. He's like, very much like, no, that is, that is not an honorable way to fight, to sneak around. That's not how samurai do it. And you're like, yeah, but we got uh, yeah, to survive. Yeah, actually like
1: the way I played the game for a while. Um, the whole samurai honor thing. Like I thought, oh shoot, I've been doing too many stealth kills. But I didn't realize that that was all really just baked in, and it just and just part of the. Part yeah, of
0: the I don't story. think it's as reactive as the way it seems early on. Yeah. Um, but it would have been cool if that was if the story changed a bit. Um, but I think it's better for it not not reacting too harshly to the things you do. But uh, you know the different characters you run across, they have their own plights going on, and they you know are not going to help you unless you uh help them out in some way. Uh, it was like the straw hat roan in where I was like it's like, Oh, we're starving, we can't get any food and like the the one I did to recruit recruit them. It's like, Oh, we gotta raid these camps that the the Mongols have taken over and it's like, Oh, they don't have food either. Even though I killed a bear and it's like we could have taken this bear but shit gets fucked up and you get out without the bear. Uh they just have a bear on a boat for some reason. Uh I guess the thing you could just let them out so they can take out enemies, but you know. That's how it goes sometimes. But uh yeah, it's it's a game that does its combat really well and the way you upgrade your character early on. You can kind of tune it more towards the the samurai way or the ghost way, uh that kind of stuff. You get different stances that counter different types of enemies, whether they're shield enemies, uh ones that have staffs, uh and stuff like that, or swords, or uh I forget what the last one was, but you also get a bow, uh, which is, uh, pretty well done. You know, you're sneaking around camps trying to get, uh, all your items, your little, uh, materials and such for your upgrades, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the, the game just looks gorgeous. You can tell like what parts of the area you're in. Uh, cause if you start seeing all the, the forest just has all these golden trees, uh, you know, like, Oh, I'm near this, this main camp that everybody's at, uh, and the different areas have a lot of unique looks to them that uh is just very standout for this uh to make it easier to get around on the map, uh, without necessarily just pulling up the map all the time. But even if you set up pins, all that kind of stuff, the the way it guides you around is through the you see the gusts of wind that are pointing in certain directions, so you don't even have to have like a GPS thing on the map uh or in the the game itself telling you what's going on, like the way that's you know Assassin's Creed would. Uh, it puts a lot of that stuff into the environments and makes it a bit more diegetic, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's a very smartly made game. Uh, maybe not one that necessarily overwhelms people with uh, you know story or uh, amazing combat or anything like that. But the the combat works really well for what it is. Uh, but yeah, that was my number one in Do not spoil it. That is our overall number one game. Uh, A lot of people on the staff loved this game; had it rated highly. Uh, So it was not a huge surprise that it was our overall number one. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, we're on threes. So, Pet, what is your number three game?
2: Trails of Cold Steel Four.
0: All right. So we're getting to the point where we're starting to get into all the big games. Uh, Number two. My number two. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, I mentioned that there were two games that really helped me out big time. This year's uh, Ghost of Tsushima and Animal Crossing New Horizons. And yeah, as was for a lot of people, Animal Crossing came out right as the pandemic was hitting. Uh, People picked up Switches just for this game to have something to play with their family members they couldn't be around with as much anymore a uh, very social game, and Nintendo's done a very good job upgrading the game, updating it, and adding new stuff over uh, over the summer and fall. Uh, new stuff for people to do, because like, the, the first couple content updates were not great. Uh, the first couple events were like, oh, this just kind of ruins everything about the game that people didn't like, uh, which was getting like the wood out of the trees. Like, oh, now there's an additional thing that could fall out, so... N- your chances of getting the things you want out of the rocks or trees or whatever was less than now they've, they figured it out. It seems like from the, the, the past few events for the, the holidays, but uh, it's a game that takes out everything that's great uh, with animal crossing and uh, massages the things that people don't uh, get all your collecting on, getting your fish, your, your insects, uh, your uh, fossils and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to put in the uh, museum, uh, the painting stuff was kind of the big annoyance when uh, that was happening for me because I had had a red show up maybe once or twice over a couple of months he was available, and it's like that was way too slow to try and get the the paintings. Uh, and even if you're not paying attention, the you have a chance of buying like counterfeit paintings that's you know nobody wants. So yeah, it's uh, it's a game that does everything you want to be like a peaceful game uh even if people get nerd mad about it cuz uh they want certain things to drop or to get the the items they want to craft all that kind of stuff uh to build out their island just right or if you're like me and just leave everything all over the island cuz you can't carry everything you want and you can't store everything in your house and so it's just everything's an inventory system out here <laughs> it's like oh where did i leave there's no point storing you know wood in the the because I don't have to load it into the house, just leave it here on the in the yard 'cause that's that's where I'll be able to get it if I need it. uh I did the video and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't played this in a while. Here's my messy fucking island for people to see uh as this is how it goes. I think I had uh turnips that had spoiled, so that was fun too uh a lot of money there wasted, but whatever. Uh, the worst thing about the game are the fucking spiders and scorpions and shit that can uh, hang out in uh, night that chase you around, like the fucking scariest uh, creatures in the world. Uh, if they sting you, you just get fucking knocked out. Uh, but if you can catch them, they're pretty uh, valuable creatures to sell to the the nook black market. I guess I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a really great game. I'm guessing this is on your list, Dan Rip.
1: Yeah, it was uh, my game of the year. Um, and since my number two was uh, Blast of Us, I can go ahead and talk about it now, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just to go ahead and add more color uh, to the selection process. like um, uh, Our game of the year was pretty much a two-headed race between Ghost of Tsushima and Animal Crossing. Um, Animal Crossing made it um, on way more lists, uh, but at the end of the day, we just needed one more vote and it was Lee's, and since Lee didn't have Animal Crossing on his list, uh, that pretty much made uh Ghost of Tsushima win by default. And um the funny thing is he doesn't even really like Ghost of Tsushima, but it was like one of the better ones on his lists, and uh, when I told him, Yeah, you're supposed to deciding the vote, he was like, Oh shit. But um, yeah, on in that regard, <laughs> like uh Animal Crossing, it doesn't do all that much different uh compared to the rest of the series. Um it's 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 really like the same game, just Polished uh, as much as possible, and by and 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 it gives us way more storage than uh, we really need. But at the same time, uh, people still want more, which is uh, pretty hilarious. Because yeah, I'll try
0: to get like all the colors of certain items. Yeah, uh, even though I th- think you can paint everything, or a lot of the stuff you can paint to whatever color
1: you want it to be. But yeah, there, there, there's, there's various customization it, options. Yeah. And- that's really what makes this game what it is, like uh, the various ways to customize everything. Like you can customize your villager, you can customize your island, you can customize various items.
0: It's got people and, to annoying ways of like, oh, here's the tier list of villagers. I have to <laughs> get the right ones on my island, or else I'm like, whatever, these guys are okay, I guess. Yeah. If I don't like them, I put trash outside their house cause to make sure I know which one's the trash person.
1: Yeah, and the, the funny thing is that system has always existed but it never blew up the way it did until uh, New Horizons came out, and yeah, uh, it's just it's, it's just really funny because like um, as you mentioned, like Nintendo did a solid job uh, with their periodic updates on this game, and it's gotten to the point where like an Animal Crossing monthly video is just as sought after as a direct is, and yeah. um yeah. like uh, I think one of their latest announcements was when when they added more um, emotes, including the ability to sit, like. I have a slack uh, thread uh, for Animal Crossing for work and people lost their shit um based on the fact that you can sit in the game now without using a chair, and I'm like, wow, you guys are totally crazy. But I guess yeah, I think um, I think
0: your villagers could sit, and you're like, what the yeah. fuck can I do? What why am I the dumb person whose legs can't sit on the ground?
1: Yeah, and it, it it's it's really annoying because like the main thing that I do in Animal Crossing now is give my villagers gifts so I can earn their uh their their photo. And um, when a villager is sitting down or fishing or preoccupied with something, you can't gift them anything. All you can do is talk to them, and when you when you talk to them, they don't really say anything useful or anything that you haven't heard before. So, like it gets it gets annoying in that regard. But like <clears throat> the the main thing with Animal Crossing is uh, I've only uh, missed out on playing it once uh, this year. Like I've 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 literally been been playing it every day. Granted, um, I went from playing it from twelve hours a day to fifteen minutes a day, but Um, At the same time, like the fact that I'm still playing it just says a lot about, you know, its importance this year. Um, I remember like the week it came out, um, people were wondering why um, Nintendo wouldn't just put it out since it was already done. And I think the reason why uh, that stemmed was because uh, the week before, um, Disney put out Frozen 2 on Disney Plus, like two weeks before it was supposed to come out on, on DVD. And they were like, oh, Nintendo should do the same thing. But I'm glad they actually uh, stuck to their guns and released it the day the day, the day that, that they were supposed to, and um, yeah, it's it, it's crazy like um, <clears throat> going to your friends' islands and seeing differences to yours, what what villages they have, and whatever it may be, and it's a really just a pleasurable um, social experience. Uh, but at, at the same time, it's also quite the political experience too. Like um, over the summer, you know, we had all the the protests and things like that. Like my town square is actually still very much. Uh, a Black Lives Matter square um kind of funny um worked with the Biden campaign to have people go to Biden Island like again the the customizations um, options with this game were were through the roof and like um i don't know what Nintendo has in store for year 2 obviously like this is a game they have to continue to support because um out of nowhere this game is now like the third highest selling game on the switch and like i, th- I want to say like the, the top 8 switch games have all sold over 20 million copies which is totally Crazy, like the Switch is an absolute. Yeah. Awesome. those are
2: insane numbers.
1: Yeah, like after Animal Crossing came out, Switches were gone again, and, uh, and they're even still
2: gone. The-
1: and they're 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 still gone. So it's like, what are we gonna do? Uh, people are people are really hoping that we see the Switch Pro soon, but there's no reason to. Um And it's all because of Animal Crossing. So it's it's just amazing. Like you you can you can like relate all of the game success to the pandemic, but at the same time, like. The, these sales like really speak for speak for itself. Like a lot of us have dwindled off on of our gameplay, but if it's still this popular, you know, what's gonna happen. And I know yeah. in March, March would be its one year anniversary, and the cool thing is uh Nintendo is having some exclusive um Mario content in there. So like one of the reasons why I liked the DS version was because there was a lot of um a lot of Nintendo items that uh, sprinkled around the game. And this was all just pure Animal Crossing stuff like it it doesn't really tickle the Nintendo fan in anybody. So once they eventually get to that, I know I'll have markets when it comes. So yeah,
0: I think the most most like Nintendo thing in there is like you get the Switch as an item. Yeah, you can't really do much with it, and you can also get the Animal Crossing version of the Switch as well.
1: And like Uh that—that—that's hilarious to me because um, I initially got into the series with the original on the GameCube because. I knew that you could play NES ROMs on it.
0: And yeah, like, that was granted, the... like
1: you, you can't do that anymore, but it's like, you know, it, it, it it's a game that really like um treasures and like like um respects like people's uh, fandom for Nintendo. And the fact that this game didn't even have to do that to become the success, the success that it was is really impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a game that's kind of the the ultimate uh, culmination of what the previous games had done, uh, just more polished and, uh, smooth experience, even with some of the rough stuff about it, like the, the save situation between multiple switches that they've finally, uh, put in a solution for it. Maybe not the, the one people wanted where it just acted like every other switch game, uh, or you just move around your save more easily, but you can do it now. Uh, in some form, I think the the really the only issue I have with the game at this point is their kind of uh, lack of accessibility settings and ways of uh, making the game play a little bit differently if you want. Because uh, I think like picking up items, especially on my trash island, where I have tons of items around, I have to you know spin my character around to make sure I'm highlighting the right item. Uh, but if you're you know getting fruit off your trees, walking around to each individual spot to pick up all the fruit can get it to be a chore. Uh, and it's like, what if I could just sit here and just hit pick up, and it just picks up the items within like the the 3x3 three three grid around my character uh, without moving, like that kind of stuff. Just make it a little bit easier to move around if you could uh, aim where you want to fish, throw your uh, lure in, versus having to like jut your character around in the right direction, uh, especially knowing when you're like, oh, this might be a big fish. I have to aim it, and your character like, shrugs it off because you're like, oh, I'm not technically close enough to the water to actually throw the lure in, that kind of stuff. It just gets a bit annoying. It's like this kind of stuff, if they had more care for like accessibility kind of stuff to smooth off some of these edges, uh, it could really make the game really shine uh, for a lot of that kind of simple stuff. And that kind of stuff's always been in the game since the original GameCube version. Uh, but there was just less to do in you know, the GameCube version, the DS and Wii versions. Once you got the 3DS, there was a lot more to do. Uh, now the Switch, yeah. It'd be really nice if they could just smooth over some of those edges that I don't think it would be too hard to do. But that is uh, Animal Crossing. I think, Pat, you're the last one that has anything else to... Uh, talk about on your list? I assume it's your yeah, number one. My,
2: my number two was Streets of Rage 4, yeah. and my number one was Fantasy Star Online 2. It was... It's a free-to-play game that is not really exploitative in any way. They've managed to keep it interesting and engaging for a long time in Japan, and I can understand why after you know putting the time into it here in the in the global version and it's great because they decided that even though there've been many games to come along and kind of perfect the quote unquote MMORPG formula Sega sat down and decided no we're just going to make Fantasy Star Online 2 we are going to make another Fantasy Star Online and That is exactly what they did. It plays like PSO. It has the same gameplay um, structure as PSO 1 did. There's just a lot more of it. And with the amount of content that there is to experience and the fact that you can do 12-player games, I mean, and again, it's free to play without being exploitative. Anyone with an Xbox or a PC can get into this and it captures the feel of PSO while adding a whole host of quality of life improvements over the original perfectly. Yeah. It seems
0: like they're going through a lot of the episode stuff pretty quickly as far as yeah, we we'll over up here on the West. Now. Yeah, because I think they're getting ready for that new whatever, Genesis new thing Genesis. they're doing. Yes. Which nobody knows if that's supposed to be like a new completely new version of the game?
2: No, I can tell you exactly what it is. It's okay, um, what is it? It's a new game that's being built onto... It's being built into the launcher for PSO2. Okay,
0: and so it's like a remake
2: it's the, of the game? It's the sa- no. It's the same launchers, it's the same servers, but you have some blocks that are going to be dedicated to PSO2 and some blocks that are dedicated to New Genesis. And Yes, it is a new graphics engine and everything. That is coming to the original PSO two next month. And that's when everything's going to be standardized to uh new Genesis standards. Okay. But there um it takes place in the same continuity, but it's a thousand years later. Okay. So now between episodes three and four, we already had a cryo sleep arc, so a thousand-year time skip isn't really inconceivable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, being sci-fi they can just be like, ah, whatever, it's a later time.
2: Hand wave it, yeah. Because
0: yeah. it's just like, I, your character is whatever. Give us right money now. if you want.
2: Sega just did the, um, did the first stream of what will probably be several building up to the rollout of New Genesis, and that's where you're going to find all of that information, and I can get you the link. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fantasy Star Online 2 is our number six overall game. Yep. And now for you and Teresa, it was like your comfort game for the year.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I've i been off for the last six days, and uh, my hours played has probably um, gone up by over 100.
0: Yeah. I would say if there's one issue with that game, it's the launcher. Because I remember yeah. trying to get a. Get ready for the video, and it's like, oh yeah, it goes through this absurdly long thing of like checking all the files individually. Yeah, it's, uh,
2: um, it's definitely a better startup experience on the Xbox than the PC. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and this is like, oh yeah, this is why everybody hated the PC version for a while. Because it was dealing with though. this and the, all the crowd trying to get into it that just caused it to fail a lot. Yeah. Now, Now the people that are in are in, so it's not really stressed as much. At least until this new genesis thing happens it'll probably happen again.
2: Yeah, but you know, they can open up new servers. They've got two sitting there waiting to be opened. Yeah. on the on the global version, so I'm not worried. And Yeah. really like I said, um there's really nothing quite like this otherwise going on and yeah. I would have liked to have seen a revival Fantasy Star Portable, but this is better really, if we're being honest.
0: You think they'll incorporate stuff from those games?
2: Well, they already have. I mean okay. a lot of a lot of stuff from Universe and Portable have found their way into online too. Okay. But a lot of people think that it's new because they didn't play um universe and portable.
0: Yeah, especially if they're in the West. Yeah. Those are not games that people checked out as much as uh, like the original.
2: we were fantastic, too. It's a shame.
0: You think they ever bring PSO stuff into it? Or have they already?
2: Um, PSO1 PSO story stuff? PSO1 content? What do you mean exactly?
0: Uh, could be either.
2: Um, I would like to see PSO1 content... I would like to be able to go back to those original stages, even though there are some that are quite like them in PSO2. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, I know who knows?
0: The fan stuff, they've set up their own servers for the game. Yes. So they can just run that. Uh, it seems like it would be easy pickings to find a way of incorporating that into PSO2 for those people to just have it all.
2: Uh, yeah, it is a completely different engine though, so I can understand yeah. why Maybe they haven't. But yeah. um, it does feel very much like a proper PSO two. Whereas yeah. there was some controversy about some changes that were made in Universe and Portable. This is this properly captures the feel of PSO one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the game when I played it around launch. Uh, just haven't stuck with it because it's there's a lot to it. Yeah, especially but, now when it's like, okay, what do I do? There's like a bunch of quests I could do. Uh, at you, any point,
2: you check your dailies. You do various expeditions if you want to. If you want to relax a little bit, you can do the main story quest, which is almost entirely cinematic. I mean, yeah, I've you've seen missions
0: are like, oh, it's like literally a cutscene, and you maybe do something, then it's another cutscene, and you're done. It's like, oh, yep. okay, that's weird. Yeah, the main story the quest scene.
2: is not tied at all to the gameplay. Well, it's it's tied a little bit, I shouldn't say that, but compared to something like a Final Fantasy XIV or World of Warcraft where pretty much everything is embedded in the gameplay, um, you watch more of PSO2's story than you play, and occasionally you do get a gameplay mission, but... Um, those have two settings, casual and hardcore, which take your pick, you know? So yeah. you can experience quite a bit of the story without investing too much in the gameplay. At least until episode six, that's when you do have to probably be at least level 60. Yeah. Well, you have to be at least level 60 and really, really fucking good, or level 70 and average.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think my problem is I played during the beta. And their leveling was not normal then. So I got up to oh. like 20 or so. And then that's where it started the game at. And so it's like, everything's fucking shit easy. Early on, it's like, that's not in, a great way to start a game. Uh, like that. Because like, when I was doing the quest in the the videos, like, all the enemies I one-shotted, and if they hit me, it was like one damage. But then I ran into some of the bigger enemies, and it's like, oh, this did like 20, 30 damage. It was like Okay, I can't let them keep doing that, but uh, you know yeah. the other guys, who cares? But I had to kill them to so I could actually hit the switches and all that kind of stuff uh, to it. So it's like the balance on this is weird because I played the beta and they didn't reset the character or anything. Then my character also looks stupid because I have like the the Game Pass Xbox suit on.
2: Oh, <laughs> so they give like, oh. shit for having Game Pass, though. I have to admit.
0: Yeah, they do. There, like
2: is uh, way more worth than just a single month subscription to Game Pass. You know, worth of items in there.
0: Yeah, like the the one issue I do have with the game is just the inventory. Uh, it's small.
2: And you can expand that.
0: Yeah, you have to do there, their subscription. I think.
2: Nope. Or what is it? It's actually a one-time cost. Um, okay. You can expand your character storage by fifty for eight dollars, up to okay. a maximum of one thousand and then you can expand your inventory um f- by 10 for 350 and that can go up to 150 okay so um when i get paid next here again th- uh, this week i'm actually going to be taking my inventory all the way up to 150 because honestly fuck not having that <laughs> but um yeah. I figure the the character inventory, the character storage, I can I can feed it eight dollars every paycheck for a while and work it up to a thousand, and I'll use it. But yeah, um, up until this past week, I really got away pretty well with not having any of the upgrades except for the fifty um, character character storage ticket that came for
0: Game Pass. Yeah, and I probably got that some point, so I'll have to check yep. what my it just throws a bunch of stuff at you. are like, oh, I don't know what any of this is. Uh, it's like, Oh, stuff for specific quests to launch them, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like I have not played enough to know what this is. Uh,
2: well, you're always welcome to join Teresa and I,
0: yeah. If I get any time for this, that's also yeah. the big problem is just finding the time to get acclimated to it versus just playing for like 30 minutes. Be Like, yeah. okay, I did something not sure what solid. it was or if you yeah. jump on when there's like the the special events going on you're like i literally was before i started the video i was like how do i join this what's the thing i click on because there's like three or four people that start quests or something. Oh yeah like that. you
2: you go to the um the standard um you go to the regular mission counter and there will be an yeah. extra option that says urgent quests
0: yeah or maybe it wasn't it was like it was like weird saying like stage three of three yep. or something like that that's a, that's like, an urgent quest yeah, I couldn't find it because there's there's a lot of quests listed. And stage section. three
2: was the photoner fleet. That's a fun one.
0: Yeah, So I did some of that stuff in the beta. Where it's like the giant hand. I was like this is absurd. What whatever's going on here? And it was like enough high level people took thirty seconds to kill it. And it was it. Yep. Everybody just launches in. It's like all right, just hit your attacks. Okay, we're done. Get your stuff and get out.
2: Pretty much. It's
0: <laughs> like okay, this. Sure, you get rewards. This is better than like destiny stuff for you have to go through long quests and missions and all this kind of stuff.
2: yeah at least these uh, aren't painfully long, yeah, I think the longest thing I've done on here lately is um the profound darkness, and that takes maybe ten minutes tops.
0: yeah, but yeah, that's a uh, fantasy star online too, like one yes. of the better free to play games that came out this year uh. Yeah, so that is your number one, mine was Ghost of Tsushima, and Dan Rebier's was oh. Animal Crossing? Yep. Okay. So let's go over the, the overall staff list. Uh, Ten was Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4. Yep. Uh, nine was Astro's Playroom. Eight was Streets of Rage 4. Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales was 7. Uh, six was Fantasy Star Online 2. Hades was number 5. Final Fantasy VII Remake is number 4. Last of Us Part 2 was 3. Animal Crossing New Horizons is 2. And Ghost of Tsushima is 1. So yeah, really an impressive list, especially for Sony. They got four games on this list. And that is really incredible for one year. The amount of games they got out this year that were very good uh, is unusual. Publishers usually don't have that good of a uh of a release schedule especially for a platform holder but they oh, yeah, did about similar. as good a job setting a console off as one could in introducing a new one
1: very similar to the Switch's first year like they were firing it on all cylinders then Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh
0: and they still got a bunch different. of stuff coming out this year too so
1: Seems like the, the, the Last of Us can never can never catch a break with us because I remember when when that game first came out on the PS3, like everyone loved it. It was it was winning um, Game of the Years everywhere. But that year, our number one was uh, Super Mario 3D World. Our number two was Beyond Two Souls. So it's stuck at number three with us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's had the uh, time issue of coming out around all the societal stuff that was going on. So I don't blame people for being like. Oh, I like this but I can't you know, just dive into it uh or I'll wait for a sale or a PS five update or whatever. Uh then goes to Tsushima comes out and it's like, oh this this is kind of the counter to that, uh in terms of going kind of being a bit more uh freeform and not as much of a bummer uh to it. So and Animal Crossing also out there is kind of that similar kind of thing. So, yeah, that is kind of the overall list. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. I don't know if we're going to have much in the way of news. It seems like we're still a little bit slow, but studios should be getting back to work, and it seems like people are starting to tease what they're going to do this year. (laughs) So we should hopefully see some more stuff. If not, I think uh, Brandon will be back, and we'll let him talk about his top ten. So, that is going to be it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Definitely check out the site. Uh, check out all the individual lists as well as the overall one. Uh, thank you to Pat and Dan Reb for coming on, talking about their games.
2: Yeah, glad to uh, fill in.
0: Been a lot of fun to see how the things went down this year, because I did not know how things would fall uh, as far as everybody's lists. I knew Animal Crossing would do well. Uh, probably Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, but that was kind of where I was like, okay, what else is going to happen list. here? Very good list. Yeah. Yeah, lots of variety here action games, RPGs.
1: Yeah. Uh, there were also yeah, no ties this year. What's that? There were no ties this year. Well, that made your yeah. job easier. I think it's the first time. <laughs>
0: yeah, a good, a good amount of variety this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is it. Uh, 2021 is here. Who knows Thanks what's going to happen this year? Uh, but yeah, thank everybody that's uh, listened last year as we deal with all this lockdown shit. Uh, 2021 should hopefully be a better year. And, uh, looking, looking forward to that. having some, some good discussions this year. I think one of the things I do want to do with this podcast is have more long form discussions. Uh, and cool. especially not necessarily sending around, well, who played this game the week of launch? Because you can only get so much time then, maybe come in like a few weeks later and be like, alright, we've had a chance to play a large chunk of this game, what can we talk about here? Uh, kind of like what we've been doing here, talking about these games. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of one of the focuses I have for this year's uh, show. So cool. Thank you for uh everybody tuning in, uh you can check us out on uh Anchor.fm or any other podcast platform if you're somehow listening to this without doing that. Uh you're a weirdo, so just subscribe and it'll get sent to you automatically uh in the future.
2: Maybe they uh, found it at the site.
0: I don't know. <laughs> That's weird to go to a site and click on a on a an audio player that's also a weird thing that people haven't done for 10 years. It's not on (laughs) YouTube or Spotify, which I think we eventually got to Spotify. I don't know. Yep. Uh, You can do that there. You go to a site that has all the audio and then you don't have to pick one thing because flash is dead. So there goes the flash players. (laughs) Uh, Java's probably not too far behind. Um, But yeah. That's it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and uh, have a good one.